That's Laura Branigan from 1984, Self Control. And some of you may not be aware that Laura Branigan died 10 years ago in 2004. She was only 47 years old. She had some headaches over a period of weeks and said, ah, it's just headaches. What's the big deal? And then she died in her sleep of a brain aneurysm. So I guess that's a lesson that you don't ignore recurring headaches for weeks. But I've been guilty of that myself. I actually get chronic tension headaches, which I inherited from my mom, and um, they're usually kind of like low to medium grade headaches that happen all the time, but uh, about five years ago, I started getting a worse version of them in, uh, in Las Vegas in August, and I told my parents about them, I said I'm getting these really bad headaches every day, and then I disappeared for three days, and they got very worried, they thought the same thing happened to me. They thought I was lying there dead in my apartment of a brain aneurysm. But in reality, the reason I had not uh, talked to them for those days, actually it was more than three days, it was uh, five days I was gone, 
But the real reason I had not talked to them was because I was meeting a girl who I had known from years beforehand that was coming to visit me in Vegas and see me for the first time in over 16 years. And that is the current woman that I'm with and mother of my child. That was the first time we had seen each other. So I didn't want to jinx it or set up expectations or anything like that. So I didn't even tell anyone what was going on until afterwards. And I had forgotten. I told my parents about the headache. So I made them very worried for nothing. Anyway, welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I'm Todd Dandruff with Tellus. This is the Druff and Friends show. Starting late, we're supposed to be at 6.30, but I never seem to get that done. So we have a free roll tonight on this show. Every week we have a free roll. And this is a free roll for cash money, as always. When I say cash money, I'm not kidding. I mean that if you win money in this free roll, you actually get cash. I can send it to you by PayPal, check, bank transfer, even cash in envelope, even Bitcoin. The only catch here is you have to qualify for it by either having a registered account on the Poker Fraud Alert forum dated June 1st, 2013 or before, or you need to get an exemption from me if you have an account that's later than that. Email dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me that you have listened to this show for at least three weeks, and convince me of that by telling me things you have heard that are not in the official show description. If I am convinced, I will give you an exemption to win the free money, even with a registered account that's later than June 1st, 2013. You need to do that before the free roll starts, which is at 7.40 tonight. There is late registration for 25 minutes after that. It is on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. First place, $25. Second place, $15. Third place, $9. Fourth place, $6. $55 total in the prize pool. This money came not from me, but from our listeners. Snowtracks gave $20, GTO is bad for me gave $25, and L Train Koja gave $10. And in fact, L Train Koja gave more money that we will see next week as well. So thank you to him. So that's the free roll this week. It's No Limit Hold'em, 7.40 p.m. And get in there if you're listening live. Tonight we're going to have a co-host. A few weeks ago we had Daredevil. I think this was three weeks ago we had him. And he's coming back. I liked the way the show went when he was on, and he offered to come back, and I said, sure. You are welcome to come back. So tonight we're going to have Daredevil on as our co-host, and in fact, see, where the hell is he? (laughs) Having trouble finding him on Skype, which is how we do the co-hosting here. I'm looking, and I, I don't see him, but maybe I'm not looking in the right place. Anyway... Daredevil, if you're listening, please message me so I can put you on as the co-host. I guess I should have done this before the show. He even asked me, do you want me to connect you to connect before the show? And I said, no, 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 that's not how we do things here. We just fly by the seats of our pants and start up during the show. And we produce the show here during the show. And he didn't believe me until I told him today I don't want to call him before the show starts. So I'll give you the agenda while I'm waiting for Daredevil to show up or... For myself to recognize that he's here. Oh, here he is. Here he is. See, he's listed on Skype under his initials. That's why I couldn't find him. 
It's not my fault. Daredevil, hello. Cruff. Yeah, hi. Uh, you're a little bit soft, but I can probably fix that on my end. I can probably turn you up. Let me okay. fix that here. Probably okay. turn myself up. I'm not sure. Okay, I've turned you up the maximum you can be turned up. I usually don't oh. like the co-host being, like, way loud because then, like, sometimes they're louder than me and then, like, people are conf- – right. like, it, it's the worst to listen to a radio show where one guy is really loud and one is soft. And he's like, you cannot adjust the volume when that happens. So I'm trying to keep us, like, around the same level. But I think I think we're good here. So welcome to the show. You were on a few weeks ago. Thought it went yeah. well. There was a good reaction. Oh, you're loud now. Damn it. I can't. This probably is why I should have <laughs> called you beforehand, but uh, – I, yeah, yeah. I just refused. It was my fault. I said, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I, it went fine last time. It'll go fine this time, and that never happens that way. Okay, so here's the agenda for tonight. Ultimate Poker, they existed in two markets. The Nevada market, they were very first to market there. In fact, they were the very first legalized online poker room in the United States. They expanded to New Jersey. In fact, it was very important to them that New Jersey went well. I actually spoke to someone who worked there at the time when they were working hard on getting the New Jersey thing online. Well, now they're working hard to get the New Jersey thing offline because Ultimate Poker is leaving New Jersey. You can't play there anymore. They're done. They're gone. You can cash out. They're not going to steal your money or anything, but uh, you're being instructed to cash out if you have money in Ultimate Poker New Jersey. We'll talk about why that happened. I think there's two reasons for it. One is because I think it was not operated properly. And two, uh, I do believe that Trump had something to do with it. Well, and the third biggest reason probably is because they were facing very stiff competition. But uh, I'm talking about things that are within their control. I guess only one of the things was in their control. Well, you know what I mean. So we'll talk about that. By the way, uh, is the radio on in the background by any chance? I'm hearing an echo. No, am I? No. No. All right. I may, Window I, is closed. I may hang up and call you right back because I'm hearing a little bit of an echo of myself. So I'm going to do that right now. So it's never easy here. It's never easy. We have these shows like the 2 Plus 2 Poker Cast and others that are so polished and they never have this type of fail, but they record beforehand. So they can edit out the crap like this, and this show just kind of operates naturally. I want this show actually to have a natural feel to it, so you almost feel like it's just guys you know sitting in your living room talking to you, rather than something that's uh, put together and, and overproduced. And I know the overproduced shows sound better in some ways, but uh, I, I like this format, so that's why I don't really rehearse anything beforehand. But, of course, we get some fail as well. It's all part of it. So, um, by the way, Ultimate Poker Nevada is staying online, at least for now. So only New Jersey's going away. Speaking of Ultimate Poker, William Reynolds, a former Ultimate Poker pro, has been bashing them on Twitter. The question is, is he just bitter that he got fired a while ago, or does he have some good points? We'll talk about that. A former poker player named Justin Archuleta, I think that's how you say his name, he showed up on 2 Plus 2 with a very shocking admission. He started a thread on 2 Plus 2 confessing to have stolen over $270,000 from various poker players on that site. Wow. 
$270,000, he is saying, yeah, I scammed. I ripped you guys off. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, I used key loggers to get your passwords. Yeah, I used denial of service attacks to knock you offline when I was playing you heads up. I did all those things. I did all these really bad things to steal money from the community. And here's the people I stole from, and he gave a big list. And then he stayed in the thread to answer people. He didn't take all questions, but he was actively in that thread. You usually don't see that. I mean, I know we had that with... uh, Michael Borowitz, we had on this show, the airport scammer, but even he had to be called out. Here, we just had this guy show up on 2 Plus 2, and even though people knew that he had scammed, it wasn't like a new revelation, he just showed up on his own volition and just said, hey, I'm here and I'm going to tell you I scammed everybody, and I scammed this much from this many people. It was amazing. So we'll talk about what he did, how he did it, how you can protect yourself from future scams like this he did it in a few ways and i believe him by the way and we'll theorize as to why he is confessing he's claiming it's because he found god but uh we know how that is when scammers find god or jesus it's uh, often just an angle and even if it's not an angle they tend to lose their newfound morality pretty quickly Well, speaking of lack of morality, something I always feel uncomfortable about is giving my information to foreign call center reps. I hate when I call up my bank and they say, okay, Todd, well, what's your account number? We'll look up your information. But it's not a person in the U.S. It's someone in the Philippines or India or someplace like that that wants me to give my account number or even worse, my social security number. And if I don't give it, they can't look up the information that I want and often – That's their call center. If I want to call in, I have to talk to those people. And I just, when I give it out, I pray that they're not writing it down or stealing it in some way. But up until recently, I have not had any incidents like this where foreign call center reps were stealing my info. Or at least if they have, I haven't seen any negative consequences from it. Well, finally I did. Dell apparently sold my information. I don't think they stole it. I think someone stole my information who works inside in Dell, stole it and gave it to scammers to try to scam me. So I fought back. And I'll play you some of the phone calls that went down when I was doing battle with the scammers. And I'll tell you what I'm trying to do currently with holding Dell's feet to the fire for this whole matter. By the way, this broadcast is coming from a Dell. Well, someone proposed on 2 plus 2 a question, could Phil Ivey be a cheater? And what they mean by that is that his best results online were on full tilt. And he was playing very, very high stakes. In fact, one of his most infamous matches was when he beat Matt Harlenko, a very good limit hold'em player, out of one million bucks. So they played heads up, limit hold'em, very high stakes. And after a short time, Ivy was ahead of Matt. One million dollars. And Matt quit. And this was just after Matt became a full tilt red pro. So he changed from his name Haas TBF to Matt Haralenko and then was greeted with a million dollar loss, which is pretty brutal. I mean, uh, I don't care how high you play. You you sit down and play someone online and lose a million dollars. That's got to sting a bit. So... 
That kind of sent Matt Haralenko away from online poker, I noticed. Like, he didn't completely quit, but this really derailed him. He didn't go broke, but he just kind of, uh, he kind of faded at that point. I don't even know if he plays poker anymore. I don't think I saw him this past year in the World Series. Very good player and a nice guy. He was actually at the final table where I won my bracelet, by the way. And he was unknown back then. But this isn't about Matt Haralenko or even that much about Phil Ivey. The interesting thing to have come from that thread, and by the way, the accusations were that you know maybe Phil Ivey had some way to super use or something like that and see people's whole cards. I don't think so, though. I don't believe it. I think Phil Ivey probably won fair and square. People are saying, oh, if he's willing to cheat in the casinos. Well, he wasn't cheating in the casinos. He was advantage playing, and that's different than, than cheating. But anyway, that thread turned more interesting when someone showed up under the name Private World and claimed to have a lot of inside knowledge of the high limit and nosebleed scenes in Las Vegas and said a lot of bad and damning things about a lot of those players. And I'll tell you what some of them were and we'll speculate on who this private world might or might not be and if he really is anyone with insider knowledge or if he's just a troll job. So that happened on 2 Plus 2 this week as well. Poker Stars is going to be separating their UK players from the rest of the site on October 1st. We'll talk about that. The Everleaf Network, we've talked about them on this show before. They pretty much have collapsed, and uh, there's a lot of stolen money that uh, occurred there. Well, there's finally been an arrest. This is rare. You usually don't see an arrest when a poker network steals people's money. But uh, the gaming director of the ill-fated Everleaf Network was arrested in Malta for, quote, misappropriating 800,000 euros, which is worth approximately... One million dollars. I'm so happy I got to use that twice already in the show. So he's been arrested. We'll talk about that. It's a good, good thing as far as I'm concerned. Speaking of millions of dollars... Michael Shackelford is known as the Wizard of Odds. Uh, He's a former actuary who took his mathematical talents to analyze casino games. And uh, he published a big list in 2002 of all the different slot machines in Vegas and which were best and which were worst. He analyzed every single type of video poker game and let you know your theoretical odds to win and lose as well as the perfect strategy. And, you know, he has a very useful site. So let's say you want the perfect strategy for double-double bonus poker, which is video poker. You would Google double-double bonus poker strategy, and one of the first sites to come up would be the Wizard of Odds. And you click on it, and you have a big table showing what the pay table should be to get maximum value, and also a hand-ranking list on how to play the game perfectly, or almost perfectly. So he was pretty well respected in the gambling world. He wasn't really much into poker as far as I know, but uh, he did some a little bit of mathematical analysis during the absolute poker scandal. But to be honest, he didn't have that much to do with that. But uh, he was more of a casino guy and he had a blog and he had his site where he did all the mathematical analysis. He had a column called Ask the Wizard. It was a good site and I use it sometimes myself. Well... He has sold his Wizard of Odds site. 
And in this day and age, you usually don't get overpaid when you sell your website because it was discovered that websites just aren't worth what people used to think they were. But despite that, Michael Shackelford selling his Wizard of Odds website got... One million dollars. No, he actually didn't. He got 2.35 times that. 2.35 million dollars he got for wizardofodds.com. Let me tell you, if I could sell Poker Fraud Alert for even a fraction of that, uh, you wouldn't see me on the site anymore. So it's uh, pretty amazing that he was able to sell that site for that much. And he's actually staying aboard there. He's actually staying on the site for a minimum of 10 years as part of the agreement. But $2.35 million, amazing. We'll talk about that. The next topic, which will be the second to last one, has nothing to do with poker. Nothing to do with poker. Nothing to do with gambling. I needed to go to the doctor on Monday, yesterday. I patiently waited over the weekend, and it was for my eye. I had a problem with my left eye. I still have a problem with my left eye. I was all ready to visit the doctor, and I was pretty much turned away because of Obamacare. I'm not kidding. That's really what happened. The state of California has a big problem if you have an individual health plan where it is very, very hard to have your insurance cover anything unless you want to go to a complete crap doctor. I just discovered this for myself a few days ago, and I'm very pissed off. So I'll tell you what happened to me there, and... What a mess this whole thing is. Finally, an editorial that was suggested by one of our listeners. Uh, One of our listeners played in a Detroit-area casino and was very frustrated to see the fish being chased out of the game by some regulars who showed up in the game and were very obnoxious to the fish when the fish would put bad beats on them. And the person said, hey, can you do an editorial about that? I said, sure. But... This is going to be a little bit of a different twist. I'm not going to just say, hey, be nice to the fish at your table. You guys all know that, or at least I hope you do. But I'm going to go a little bit further and say you need to not just be nice to the fish. You need to do what the fish are hoping you will do other than lose. So you need to make the environment for them that they are hoping for. Sometimes that means being nice, and other times it means actually being not so nice. But there's certain things you never do. And you have to assess the situation properly. Otherwise, the fish are going to leave, and you're not going to make as much money. And uh, I'll also tell you in the editorial how important I feel it is to have fish in the game. I think it's incredibly important, much more than people think it is. So, this echo is driving me crazy. <laughs> you're not hearing it? It's it's very slight. I hear it from time to time. Yeah, it's soft, but let's see if the chat room can hear it. I just I hate hearing my own voice back. So it's a good thing we didn't uh, test this, Drew. I don't think there's anything we could have done about this one. I mean, if you if oh, you're no. sure you have the radio off, then yep. the I don't know what's on. going on here. Yeah, there's they're saying I'm nuts. There's no echo. Oh wait, no, okay. Tilted just, Stone just saying he's hearing it. Yeah, softly. See, there's an echo like in the background. Like I talk, and if I pause for a second, I hear it like way in the background, almost like I'm speaking at the edge of the Grand Canyon and like way off on the other side, my voice is bouncing around. Mm. Damn it. Must be your Dell. Let me see. I'm going to hang up on you one more time. I'm going to see without you if we have the echo. 
Okay. It must be my Dell. I, I just I just caught that one. <laughs> okay. This Dell has actually done well for me. I mean, it's been a good computer for the five years I've had it. So I don't hear an echo now. I'm going to try this one more time. I think it's Skype doing this. Can't even blame my Dell. Can't blame the Indians of Dell for this one. Okay. It's definitely when you're on here, but I think it's a Skype problem. I think there's nothing we can do, but I don't hear it anymore. Good. All right. We've solved it. Ah, it's back. All right. Screw it. We'll just, we'll leave it. I'll just try to ignore it. I'll just try to, I'll pretend there's like a third co-host here. Like a a third guy who kind of sounds like me and always agrees with me. So... Is it only you that's echoing, by the way? Yeah, you're not echoing. You sound fine, no. but uh, I, I think it's Skype, and there's nothing we can do. So that's what we get. I mean, I could I could have flown you out here from well, Canada. Yeah, I yeah. mean, seven stars, free rooms, right? Yeah, well, we don't have the the budget for that on this show. Maybe if I could sell the no. site for two point thirty five million, I'd fly you out here. Okay. Well, I'll be out there in uh, October. So. What? Where in California going to be? Oh no, Las Vegas. Sorry. Oh, Las Vegas. Okay, that's in October. Okay, I'll, I'll be there too. Mm-hmm. Okay, live on remote. Yeah, maybe. So, all right, uh, we will get going now. Free roll starting in 23 minutes, so get over there. And I appreciate every week that you guys keep giving money for these free rolls. It's very nice. And I'm going to put up some buttons soon on how to donate. Something I found that was disturbing. I was, like, getting all ready to put the PayPal buttons up there, like donate to free roll, donate to site, donate bitcoins to free roll, donate bitcoins to site. And then I'm like, oh, crap. PayPal actually will not let you use those buttons to pay someone without a fee. So when you guys send me money for the free roll, you send it as friends and family, and then we don't pay any fees. But if I put up a button to click to do it like all in one shot, then it'll charge you like 3%. So I don't want to do that. I don't want PayPal making money off our free roll. So uh, that'll have to be manual. But I will put a little section there on where to send the free money and my Bitcoin address if you want to send it that way. And it'll make it a little bit easier if people want to just kind of donate to the free roll on the fly or even donate to the operational cost of this site. And we may get a sponsor soon, by the way. I have gotten some interest from someone. So anyway, let's get going here. Ultimate Poker has left the New Jersey market. They've left the building. And I have to say I was surprised but not surprised when I heard this. Surprised meaning I didn't think they were going to give up this easily. They put a lot of money and time and effort into it. But at the same time, they were really struggling and didn't seem to be improving at all. It just seemed like a disaster over there. Were you surprised about this announcement? I was, yeah, again, just because of the timing, because it feels like when you put that much money in, well, I don't know how much money they put in, but they put some investment in, so I think they'd wait a little longer. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, yes, they can come back. They're not permanently kicked out or anything. They just left mm-hmm. voluntarily, so they can come back if they can find another casino to associate themselves with. But... Uh, yeah, I would have thought that maybe they would have tried some last-ditch attempts to make it work over there rather than just give up. And I can tell you, they spent a lot of time and effort and money on this. They, I, I heard this from someone involved with Ultimate Poker uh, months ago. So I am surprised they're giving up this is easily. Uh, what happened is they terminated their agreement with the Trump Taj Mahal, which, of course, is having problems of its own and might even close in November. They probably won't, but they, they might. They, they already filed for bankruptcy, the Taj. 
The reason Ultimate Poker is affiliated with the Taj is they have to have some sort of land-based casino affiliation to operate in New Jersey. So they can't just be Ultimate Poker with no casino they're attached to. So they have a contract with the Taj. But apparently, the Taj was not keeping up their end of the bargain, according to Ultimate Poker. The Taj was supposed to promote them. The Taj was supposed to you know, do marketing that uh, brought people over to the site. And they're claiming the Taj did little to nothing and pretty much just let Ultimate Poker sit on its own. Almost like, uh, okay, you've got your license now, leave us the fuck alone. Even though they agreed to promote them. And I believe this. I, I'm not from New Jersey. I am never there. At least I haven't been there in about two years, and I rarely go there. So I haven't seen any of the promotions because I'm not even there to see it. But I believe, Ultimate Poker, that the Taj probably did breach various portions of the contract. However, if Ultimate Poker was raking in the dough there... There's no way they would close and say, hey, Taj, you're not uh, keeping up your end of the bargain. At least they wouldn't do this until they could immediately jump to another casino. Here they're just closing. They're saying, Mm -hmm. okay, we're terminating goodbye. It's almost like they're finding an excuse to terminate. In fact, uh, I I had this once. Uh, I had this. I'll I'll tell you a personal story here. Um, A preschool that Benjamin was in, uh, I was unhappy with them for reasons I won't get into. And I'm not even like one of these fanatical parents who like uh, is really demanding about every little thing at the preschool. Like you might expect I would be, but I'm not like, I'm very reasonable, but uh, there were a number of things about that preschool that were bugging me. And Benjamin himself was unhappy there. Uh, Unfortunately, if you quit that preschool, you owe them two weeks worth of tuition. You have to give them two weeks notice and pay. And uh, I wanted to leave immediately. Well, I, I found a reason to leave immediately, and that was that they were keeping the place at a very low temperature during the winter. The, the classroom was like 65 degrees because they were either being too cheap to heat the place, or I think the real reason was that the director of the preschool, her office would get hot when they turned on the heat, so she just let the kids freeze there. It was really a crappy place. I mean, So I noticed this. I told them about it. She ignored me. I noticed it a second time, and I said, okay, not only am I taking Benjamin out, but you better, give me, you better not charge me this two weeks notice thing because you're violating the law. Because California law is that you have to be 68 degrees or higher all the time. And it was intentionally set to 65 degrees. I took pictures of the thermostat, and I said, I've got these, so you either let me out of this immediately without charging me another penny and give me retroactively two weeks back you know, during the time that you're supposed to fix the temperature uh, you know, or I'm going to licensing about this. So, of course, they, they bowed down and did what I said because they knew I was right. They knew they'd get in trouble. But I use this as an excuse. I mean, it was, I was pissed off about this, too. They shouldn't be keeping the place at 65 degrees. But uh, mm-hmm. I use this as an excuse to get out of having to pay them without the notice. I didn't feel bad about it because they, they were doing all kinds of things wrong there, and uh, I didn't feel Ben should be there anymore. And now he's in a much better place that I like. But uh, I think Ultimate Poker did something similar here where – they wanted out of the contract because they were losing money hand over fist. And they said, okay, well, let's find a way out of it. Oh, I see. The Taj has not kept up to their end of the bargain with marketing. Okay, perfect. Goodbye. So right. similar to me with And Benjamin. as you say, I mean, they can come back, but is it more advantageous to come back later when there's already more players in the market? No. 
Right. Yeah. So you, I honestly don't think they will come back if they're leaving now. I don't think so either. I think they've decided that the New Jersey market's a fail, and unless they uh, partner with other states, I don't think they'll come back. And even if they do partner with other states, maybe they'll just uh, be in those states. Like New Jersey and Nevada want to partner, and they already have mm-hmm. kind of preliminary agreements in place. So Ultimate Poker is still in Nevada. They're not planning to leave Nevada. I mean, maybe that'll happen too eventually, but right now they're still there. Uh, you have to understand, Ultimate Poker is a subsidiary of Station Casinos, which is yes. a brand of casinos in Nevada that is it's mainly geared towards locals, but they're very successful. They're run by the uh, they're owned by the Fertitta brothers, and mm-hmm. uh, they Ultimate Poker is called that because of an association with the UFC, which I, I think the Fertitta brothers own part of that too. I I'm forgetting the whole yes, story. They do. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. do. Yeah, so there's a lot of money in the company that runs Ultimate Poker. It's not some little crappy operation that, uh, you know, if the poker fails, they go under. But they made a business decision, despite how deep-pocketed the Fertitta brothers are. They made a decision, we're just getting out of here because it's failing and we're losing money. So maybe they'll do that with Nevada, too. I I think they're going to stick it out in Nevada. But they're not doing well there, either. And there are... Various reasons for this, in my opinion, as to why they are failing. And I'll I'll hear if you believe the same thing I do. And now, number one, Ultimate Poker is already at a disadvantage because you think of playing these legalized online poker rooms, you want to immediately go to a known brand. So WSOP.com. And when I say you, I don't mean you, the listener, necessarily. I mean the average poker player who doesn't pay all that much attention to the poker scene, but just kind of like a a guy who enjoys poker who wants to play online. Where does he go first? Well, he goes to the known brands like WSOP.com or Party Poker. You know, a lot of people know about Party Poker. It's not available in Nevada, but in New Jersey, Party Poker does exist. It's associated with the Borgata. So you go to Party Poker. You go to WSOP.com. You don't go to Ultimate Poker because it's not really where you think of going. It doesn't have the brand recognition. Second, software. The Party Poker software is well known. It's not all that good, but it's known and people are used to it. But it's it's okay. You know, it's a mature product at least, even though it uh, still has the look of something from 2001. Uh, but software is important. So... If there's a mature software package that people are used to, that functions properly, that has been on the market a long time, people will enjoy playing there. If it's a buggy mess, if it's a piece of crap, if it's something you just built and you're still kind of feeling out how to get it right, you're debugging it as you go along, that will drive people away. And Ultimate Poker has always had problems with their software. So that's been a killer to them as well. Now, these two things are not easy to fix. You can't just become a huge, well-known brand all of a sudden. You can try to advertise, and they did, but they're never going to become a bigger deal than WSOP.com. They're never going to become better known than Party. It's very hard to negate all these years of brand recognition for other brands. It'd be like like if I tried to start my own uh, soda to compete with Coke and Pepsi. I I would never be successful, even if I had a lot of money behind me. It would be very hard to unseat those at this point. And that's kind of what's going on with these poker rooms. So Ultimate Poker, 
I understand they were at a disadvantage there that they couldn't help. I understand the software. They built their own software, and uh, that's a tough thing to do. A lot tougher to come in with a new product that hasn't been tested or really run in an actual real setting versus packages that have been out there for many, many years that are stable. So yeah, those two things are very tough. Those two things are very big hurdles to overcome. But, but, you can do it. I want everyone to think of girls you may have known that were simply very unattractive but managed to get a lot of boyfriends, a decent boyfriends. How did they do it? They did it by making up for what they lacked in the looks department by excelling in other things where other girls often fail. Maybe these girls were uh, very wild sexually or really uh, uh, gave great head. Maybe these girls were really nice. Maybe they were always helpful and uh, doing thoughtful and uh, you know nice things for their boyfriends. They were very pleasant to be around. Maybe they got into sports or other things that guys are into. And these girls would be appealing to a lot of guys despite not being physically attractive. So basically what they did is they knew they lacked in one area and they really tried hard in the other areas to make up for it. And they succeeded. However, take that same very unattractive girl and think if she doesn't try. Think if she has a lousy personality or she just lies there in bed and doesn't do anything. You're going to dump her right away. You're going to say, what's good about her? Nothing. Like, (laughs) you're not setting yourself apart positively in any way. So goodbye. So Ultimate Poker had this problem. Ultimate Poker, with these inherent difficulties that they were facing that were very hard to overcome, then did not put the proper effort or innovation into setting themselves apart in ways they could control. And that sealed their fate, in my opinion. Uh, What do I mean by this? Well, look at their rewards program. Look at... uh, Like, did they give 100% rake back for their grinders that would start games? No. Uh, Were they doing anything, anything innovative or customer-friendly that the other sites were not doing in some form or another? No. They had their silly promotions and, you know, they'd have this promotion or that promotion or this deposit bonus or that deposit bonus or this tournament or that tournament, but that's not going to bring people there. Online poker rooms are similar to poker forums. Why does everybody go to 2 plus 2? They go to 2 plus 2 because that's where all the people are. You don't want to go to a forum where nobody posts and you're just talking to yourself. You want to go to a forum to interact with other people. And the more people you're going to interact with, the better. When you make a post, you're happier when more eyeballs see it versus when few eyeballs see it. That is why Poker Fraud Alert... Uh, would have a very hard time supplanting 2 plus 2 because 2 plus 2 has been established for so many years with so many people. And even all the fail on the part of Mason Malmuth and some of the others there won't change that because it's just so ingrained, so established, has such a large user base that posts actively there. So if you want the poker world to see something, you post it on 2 plus 2. It succeeds despite Mason Malmuth. And... 
with poker sites, it's the same thing. If you want to play, you want to go to a site that has games running. You don't want to go sit there at a table with nobody and wait three hours for someone to sit with you, especially if you're a casual player. If you're a casual player, you want to go on the site, see games running, and sit down and play. So they needed to go to extremes to get grinders who would sit there and who would play games and wait for games to start and try to get games going, maybe even ones who will play each other. They should have really gone to extremes, even if they're going to lose money on these people, to get games running. That's the only way you're going to make it happen. Or have a rewards program that is so much better than the other sites that people will consider trying to play there. Unfortunately, they were just pretty much doing the same thing as the other sites were. Their business model was to emulate poker stars and just hope it all turns out okay, and it didn't. So the weird thing with Ultimate Poker is the fact that it is not run by idiots. You would expect with all these gaffes, all these mistakes they made, that you would have clueless morons at the helm there, but that's not what's going on. The guy I spoke to, a pretty high-up guy at Ultimate Poker, very bright guy, he saw the same things I saw. He was very aware of the problems. He was very aware of what needed to be done, but somehow it was not getting done. Terrence Chan was involved. He's a very bright guy. No question about that. Uh, Scotty from PokerStars, the uh, support guy. Again, good support guy. Good things to say about him. They had a lot of individually talented people, but much like an NBA team, which is full of the same type of player, but lacking other types of players they need to be a championship team, it just didn't mesh well. It did not. This team did not perform well together. This team well, was missing. Isn't, uh, isn't Tom Breitling the president? Yeah. Or CEO, and he's a very sharp guy. Yeah. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, he started a reservation company, which he eventually sold that became Expedia. He also owned the Golden Nugget. Uh, so he, you would think he would have at least a slightly more everyman perspective. Yeah, but, on but unfortunately, in the kind of general public, but they don't for for whatever reason they couldn't get it done. They just and, and when I say they couldn't get it done, I watched them make mistake after mistake. It's not like they did everything perfectly, but the forces against them, the market forces against them, were so tough they just couldn't succeed. I I've seen that with other businesses before, not poker businesses, but I, I've seen other businesses that seem to do everything right but just don't work because of market forces. And that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. But here they made very visible mistakes that I just couldn't understand. And especially given that it seemed like the staff understood that something needed to be done, they understood their own problems, but yet they could not solve them. And I never understood why. Yeah. It also seems like their, their whole business plan was first to market. Yes. That, that and was that another problem. When they were the only. But then, but then they seemed like they had no more ideas after that. Right, right. That's exactly it. They, they jumped to market first and then like, okay, now we can relax. And I'm, like, here's an example. Here's a, a very simple example of something I just don't understand at Ultimate Poker. And it's just a microcosm of the whole problem over there. There was what's known as the button problem. Let's say you're sitting by yourself at a heads-up table. Uh, you have the button in front of you. The way it should work is the person who joins second should always start on the big blind. This prevents people from taking advantage of it by just sitting down, taking the button, playing one hand, and leaving. So this way the person who starts the game 
uh, they always uh, get the button first, and that's the reward for starting the game. And, of course, if they pull this crap with sitting after one hand, then uh, no one will sit with them again. But uh, anyway, it did this dumb thing that every time someone sat, you would draw for the button, which sounds okay at first, but the problem was, number one, people would abuse it because they would get the button first, play one hand, and quit. But the bigger problem was that when someone got disconnected or someone sits out to go to the bathroom for a second, when they sit back in, it doesn't continue where it left off. It actually draws for the button again as if it's a new game, (laughs) Uh, which is ridiculous. Like, think you're playing live poker. Think of you're at a live poker table playing heads up against a guy, okay? And it's about to be your button. And before the dealer deals the cards, I'm talking about live poker here, the other guy goes, hey, man, I got to go to the bathroom. You go, okay, no problem. I'll wait. So the guy stands up, goes to the bathroom, comes back in you know five minutes, sits back down. And you go, okay, let's continue. And then the dealer says, hold on, spreads out the deck and says, each of you pick a card to get the button. You go, wait a minute. No, it's my button. You know, He had it last time. It's my turn this time. No, 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 no. He left the table to go to the bathroom. It's a new game now. So that's actually what Ultimate Poker was doing, that every time someone sits back in, it would draw for the button again, which is ridiculous. So, And were they not aware of this, but they said they couldn't change it because they have to clear any software change with uh, the state? Yes, yes. So first of all, you have right. to wonder, how, like, how do you make that dumb mistake in the first place? Like, How does the playtester not catch this? But, but putting that aside, uh, let's say it got by the playtester somehow, or let's say they rushed it to market and somehow they didn't think of this. So when I talked to the guy at Ultimate Poker that I did, he says to me, look, we totally want to change this thing with a button, but we can't just roll out a change like PokerStars does. We have to get regulatory approval for every software change, and it's a big pain in the ass with paperwork, blah, blah, blah. It's not easy. I go, okay, I understand that. That makes sense. Like I hadn't thought of that before, but you're right. You, you can't just fix the bug. You have to get Nevada's approval to fix the bug. So – About a month later, Ultimate Poker rolls out a new version of the software. So I go, okay, good. The button thing's fixed. I sit down and play. No. Uh, (laughs) The guy sits out and addresses the button again. (laughs) And I go, wait a minute. This is so easy to fix. And I know it's easy to fix because I used to work in software. I worked in software for almost 10 years prior to becoming a professional poker player. So I know this is an incredibly easy thing to fix. And for whatever reason, they chose not to do it, despite having like a a month or more to do so, much more than a month, because they'd known about this for months before I even talked to them about it. So here they knew this was irking everyone. It's a super easy fix, and yet they didn't do it. So the whole story about, oh, regulatory approval on every software change well, that wasn't really the reason because when they got the approval for the software change, they didn't bother to change this. And there were many other things like this in the software that were just irritants that they didn't bother to fix. Now, there were some other issues that were much harder to fix like crashes and uh, geolocation issues and things like that are, that are, I can tell you as a programmer myself, are very hard to fix. And that's part of what happens when you rush to be first to market with your own proprietary software. Mm-hmm. But uh, to not fix the simple things like the button problem, I found to be very indicative of a big issue over there, that they're just not allocating their time and resources well. And I, I just scratched my head 
wondering how that could possibly happen. And, uh, you know, they, they built the software without a waiting list and, and other stupid things. So I, I just kind of felt like you had a lot of individually talented people there who couldn't put it all together and you didn't have someone who just really had the whole picture of what the poker public wants and what brings people there and how to recover from a slow start or when the competition's passing you, you know, like nobody had the right plans in mind. And I even offered to come in. I, I, I mean, I w- wasn't even a serious offer at first. I was just kind of kidding around saying, Hey, you need to hire someone who's part of the community who knows exactly what to do here to, to fix things around here. And, you know, you could hire me. I could, I would do it. Like I, I just kind of said that offhandedly and they're like, Oh yeah, maybe we will hire you. And they, they actually, Talk to me on the phone. That's why we had this discussion. But it just kind of fell by the wayside, and they never said no or yes, and it just kind of didn't happen. So that's fine. I'm not bitter about it. Uh, we're going to talk about someone who's bitter about being fired from Ultimate Poker very shortly, William Reynolds. But I'm not bitter with them at all. Uh, individually, the people involved, I, I like them. In fact, I know one of the people involved listens to the show somewhat, and... I, I'm sure he'll, he won't love this segment, but uh, look, the bottom line is I did not see any serious efforts to turn around the sinking ship. I did not see simple things being fixed that were irking a lot of people. I didn't see any way to create brand loyalty. I have another personal story from there where I had posted on 2 Plus 2, this is before I got banned there, that I get 30% rake back on WSOP.com automatically because I'm a seven stars member of Caesars. And I said, look, I'd like to give Ultimate Poker another try, but I'm not playing regularly enough to keep any kind of tier level there. So I get like no rake back. And, you know, if it's a choice between 30% rake back on WSOP and zero over on Ultimate Poker, obviously I'm going to go with a 30 on WSOP. But, you know, if you guys would like to match it, I give you guys another shot. So instead of getting yes, we'll do it for you because they know I'm a grinder. They know that like when I when I am playing on there, that I'll like sit there for hours and play. Like they need someone like me on there to play. And instead of snap saying here's your thirty percent, they're like, well, we can give you twenty percent, but you'll have to email us when you're ready to start playing. And I'm like, come on, just. Just give it to me. Like, they don't have to give it to me, but that's a dumb thing to do when your site is dead. If your site's not dead, I can understand not giving it to me. But when your site's dead, you got to do things like this. I'm not bitter about it. Again, I'm just saying it's a dumb decision. You've got you've to think outside the box. You've got to say, what can we do to make this work? And uh, um, so uh, we're going to uh, talk about now William Reynolds. And, and by the way, before we talk about him, how do you feel about the whole ultimate poker thing? Well, yeah, like I said, it seemed like they had one idea, which is we're going to be first. And after that, they didn't, for some reason, they didn't have the skills to cope with the inevitable competition. The other thing is, I think my mic got cut off there, but I was saying there is a rumor going around that MGM is going to buy Palace Station. Um, so if that's true, I would assume they would also take control of Ultimate Poker, which wow. will probably rebrand rather and change. Wait, hold on. They're gonna, and hold that on. does also oh. make sense because they do have a property in AC, so that might make sense with them leaving the Taj. Wait, I you said they're going to buy Palace Station or all the stations? Yeah, all the stations. Oh, okay. Okay, the I think Palace. I'm like, that's kind of a weird purchase to <laughs> yeah. make on its own. Palace Station is kind of a dump. And that would be interesting if MGM buys them. And, uh, hmm. 
Yeah, and that, and that could also feed into the fact that they left the Taj because then presumably they want to partner with. Uh, I believe MGM has one as an Atlantic City based casino, right? So interesting. Okay, before we go to the next topic, I, I want to give two updates here. Two updates that uh, I think everybody should hear about. First of all, we have a listener, a very regular listener, that has a birthday today. This is an old school guy who goes way back to the old days of poker. I was actually sitting around today and I was thinking, I miss 2003 poker stars. Like, I was owning on 2003 poker stars. Uh, I don't want to sound like Al Bundy reliving his high school days, but, um, you know, like, I was thinking, I kind of missed that. I missed when I would just go on Poker Stars and be like the biggest limit, limit uh, hold'em winner on the site and pretty much the biggest cash winner on the site for most of the year of 2003. Uh, but there's another guy who was owning in tournaments around then, and that was uh, S Double, and he's a regular listener to this show. We didn't play that often together because I played limit hold'em cash and he played tournaments, but uh, he has a birthday today, so happy birthday to him. And... Uh, Unrelated to that, apparently Matt Savage got a settlement check from Epic Poker today. Epic Poker doing a settlement for Matt Savage. Wow. Are they going to settle the players? That's a good question. I don't know where did did this money come from because the, the company itself was bust. Uh, a lot of people made money from it. Like Annie Duke drew a very nice salary of like 350000 and so did Jeffrey Pollock. I mean, they made a lot of money, those two, uh, as did other officers there who weren't as well-known as Annie and Jeffrey. But uh, I wonder if they kicked in some money to uh, pay Matt Savage. I, I was just told this. I'd love to have known this before the show. I would have uh, looked into it more. But, yeah, a lot of people got screwed by the Epic Poker League. This is just one of many black marks on Annie Duke's record. Uh, but they made a lot of promises to a lot of people who gave up a lot of other opportunities to be part of this thing, uh, only to have it uh, pretty much just run into the ground. And and worst yet, they screwed the players who thought they were going to get a million-dollar free roll for finishing on the top 27 of the leaderboard. The free roll never happened, which it yeah, should have. They happen. also stiffed a lot of media people, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. They, a lot of media people got stiffed as well, and... Uh, uh, so, I mean, there's a big line of people who got stiffed, and it's amazing that Annie Duke sat there drawing a salary of like 365000 a year, and she didn't give that back. She didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, the company failed. Let me give back my salary so you people who were promised money for working for us will get paid. No, she took her salary and said, F you, everybody. That has nothing to do with me. I got paid a salary, and, uh, you know, your beef's with the company, not me, which is crap. So I don't know where Matt Savage's money came from. But good for him for getting it, and I hope others get uh, some remuneration as well. Yeah, but Druff, Annie's paid back the community, uh, I think, in those motivational speeches that we all have profited more than, than mere money could buy, so okay, wouldn't worry about it. So, <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to mention those things before we go on talking about... Uh, the William Reynolds situation, 
with Ultimate Poker. Now, William Reynolds was a Ultimate Poker pro. He was considered part of Team U, which I thought was a dumb name, Team U. It almost sounds like university something, but uh, meant for Team Ultimate. And William Reynolds was part of it. There was a, a controversial incident with him a while back where he talked trash to some player at the table and uh, uh, something about a hit and run. I, f- I forget the whole story, but uh, it looked bad for him, and Ultimate Poker forced him or presumably forced him to make a very insincere apology, almost like the way a four-year-old will apologize when his mom makes him apologize to a kid for hitting him. And the four-year-old goes, I'm sorry, but you know he doesn't mean it. Uh, That's pretty much what uh, William Reynolds did. And uh, he eventually got fired, but several others who were not involved in any controversy got fired from there as well. They just seemed to be trimming the fat from Ultimate Poker since the company was not doing well. But William Reynolds was pretty bitter toward Ultimate Poker ever since he got fired. There's no question about that. There's no question that his anger towards them, his trash-talking towards them, is motivated by the fact that he got fired. But does that mean necessarily that his trash talk is inaccurate? I'm sure you've had ex-friends, ex-boyfriends or girlfriends that... After you're no longer associated with them, especially if they did something bad to you to end whatever relationship you had with them, uh, sometimes you may go talk trash about those people. And while that trash talking is being motivated by your anger towards them, it's very possible that what you're saying about them is true. And you just didn't say before because you were friends. Well, William Reynolds, I'll tell you what he said. He was really going off on them once he heard about... uh, how they are closing in New Jersey. He was uh, taking a lot of joy in this and and basically dancing on their grave. This is what he tweeted. He he wrote, uh, No surprise to see Ultimate Poker pull out of New Jersey. They care more about YouTube videos that Dustin Iannotti buys fake views for than poker. Wow. So he's accusing them of view botting on YouTube. So are they guilty of that? Hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, in fact, I'll talk about it now. Let's talk about that before I continue. Uh, upon looking at these videos they're talking about, and uh, these are videos that uh, involved... Daniel Anderson and someone else, uh, I, I forgot the whole thing. It was called You Versus, what the hell, let me see. I, I got, oh, yeah, Me Versus You. Yeah, Me Dan Versus O'Brien, You. Right? Yeah, yeah, with Dan O'Brien, yeah. So yeah. here are the suspicious things about this. Uh, first of all, episode 10 of Me Versus You had 105,000 views. And it was suspicious because it just didn't seem like there was that much interest in this me versus you series. And, uh, for example, F5poker.com, when analyzing this, talked about much more commonly discussed poker videos that everyone seems to have seen, uh, such as uh, Carter Gill, Sad Face, and... Uh, uh, Joe Hatcham saying poker is dying during the Aussie Millions. Like, like these are kind of viral poker videos, and yet the Joe Hatcham thing, which everyone talked about, got fifty-eight thousand views, and yet this right. 
kind of, you know, milk toast, unexciting me versus you thing got 105,000. So th- that's already very suspicious. I have to say that is a good chance that they did view bot. But uh, there's some other evidence about this that uh, I noticed upon uh, looking at this. Uh, the thumbs up and thumbs down numbers are a very disproportionate to the uh, the me versus you. They, it, it doesn't make sense for that many uh, views that they got. That uh, like like someone just view botted it really hard, but at the same time uh, the thumbs up and thumbs down uh, didn't match up. Like they didn't bother to do those. So whenever you see like a ton of views but very few thumbs up and thumbs down. That's the sign that something was viewbotted because you're always going to have a certain percentage of thumbs up and thumbs down on YouTube for every view. Right. So if it's a tiny percentage, then usually you got viewbotted. So that's that's a very damning piece of evidence there. Uh, second, uh, stats are disabled, and that's always a huge red flag on YouTube when stats are disabled. So uh, I have to say, from all the available evidence, I would be shocked if they did not viewbot that in some way. And you're saying, well, who cares? So they viewbotted the the me versus you promotional videos they did. But, I mean, you shouldn't do this. The reason you shouldn't do this is because we've had so many scandals in online poker. And the community is very hip. It's very smart, very technically savvy. You're not fooling 70-year-old grandmas here who know nothing about computers. You're fooling some very savvy, technical people that are going to catch things like this. And when they catch you, not only do you look stupid, but then you look shady. You look like you can't be trusted. Even if it's something stupid like viewbotting, you look like you can't be trusted. And when you're offering a poker site where trust is imperative, that's a horrible thing to have that you're being dishonest about something. It's not like you're just an individual who wants to pump up the, uh, the views on your videos for some kind of ego thing. This is a poker site that has to be trusted. So he's probably right about that. But let's, let's move on with what he had to say. He said, when I left Ultimate Poker, I had played more hands than anyone. I won't have to play another hand to hold that record until the end of time. So he's saying they're so dead that he left a long time ago and he still has the most hands of anybody played. When Ultimate Poker first launched, they used services from iOvation, whose owner Greg Pearson was CEO of Ultimate Bet. Hashtag they don't know poker. Now this is referring to uh, the fact that their verification services, when you'd sign up a new account and it would check that uh, the information you're giving about it yourself is legit, uh, those services were provided by a third-party company that were then using another third-party company, which happened to be iOvation. iOvation right. was a company that was likely founded with ultimate bet cheating money by Greg Pearson, one of the you know the original uh, uh, owners of Ultimate Bet, and and uh, so obviously this pissed everyone off that iOvation was making any kind of money off of the legal online poker landscape. And this was the first thing that I really saw Ultimate Poker bungle is that when this came out, and it only came out because there was an error on iOvation's end and it gave an error message like, you know, iOvation uh, exception thrown or something like that. And people were like, what? iOvation? <laughs> what does that have to do with this? So when this was raised, instead of the reps for Ultimate Poker having egg on their face and saying, oh, sorry, we didn't realize we're going to fix this. And I think they really didn't realize this. Or if they did realize it, they didn't really think about the consequences. 
But like once everyone was so pissed off about it, once it was caught, they should have immediately said, oh, we're so sorry about this. We're going to drop them immediately. Really sorry. Instead, they said, no, you know, that's what we're going to use. As long as they're licensed, we, we think it's fine. And like they're defending it. I'm going, what the hell are they yeah. doing? What are they doing? You did they realize how major of a scandal this was? You don't defend this after you're caught using yeah. Iovation, a, a company that was probably founded with with poker cheating money. I mean, I think they eventually did drop them, right? They but, did, yes. I mean, you should never have to force a company to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, especially with this. With this, this was such a hot button topic. They should have instantly. Mm-hmm. This was caught the instant that this was. A controversy. They should have immediately diffused it and said, sorry, we didn't realize we're going to drop them now. Not try to make excuses and try to say we're going to stay with them. And then the, only after everyone got really pissed off, say, okay, we're dropping them. It's good that they dropped them, but they should have done it right away. That was their first mistake. So he's already razzing them about this. Uh, he goes on to write, the first legal regulated site in America, Ultimate Poker, was paying the former CEO of the largest poker scam site in history for his services. I mean, the Indirectly, that is what they were doing. It's a little misleading right. to say it, but it kind of is true. Uh, then he writes, hashtag, let that last tweet sink in, hashtag oversight, hashtag Brightling isn't bright, hashtag run it down, hashtag me versus UP, hashtag later UP. So he's, <laughs> he's really getting a kick out of all this. Then he writes, One year ago, I showcased all flaws on Ultimate Poker Client to entire software team. In next two months, they changed the decks from blue to red. (laughs) I'm playing the laughter here because it's true. That's the part that really resonated with me the most because I had that same conversation. I was like, look, guys, I see this and this and this and this and this. Like I mentioned the button thing. I mentioned other things. Like I didn't meet with the software team, but like I really laid it out there publicly on 2 plus 2 and privately like this is what's important this is what you need to change blah 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 and then the new version came out and like none of that was addressed so like uh they eventually came out with a later version like much later where they fixed some of these things i think the button thing still exists i haven't played on there in a long time but i I totally got what he was saying there because uh people were coming to them saying these are important things to fix and then uh uh they did change the software, but just trivial crap like changing the decks from red to blue. You know, he's, he's right. He, he writes, uh, in 2005, the PokerRoom.com website that you could run through your browser without downloading is still more advanced than Ultimate Poker. So he's bashing their software. I don't blame them so much for that. You know, they, they were rushing to market and they couldn't develop a mature product, but... Uh, yeah, it is true. When you've already got that handicap, you've really got to do everything else really well. So then he writes, all the best to WSOP.com, Party Poker, and Poker Stars. We need quality platforms in the U.S. to get online poker back to where it should be. Well, uh, they, uh, the other ones have plenty of problems, too. So. I was going to say that's not the least <laughs> of the problems, but all right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've chronicled all the issues with uh, WSOP.com and their horrible customer service fails that I've been through on that site. And, you know, I'll say that uh, Ultimate Poker has done a pretty good job with customer service. Like when you would email them about something, you would tend to get a quick and intelligent response, which WSOP.com, you get the opposite. So they did pretty well on that front. And uh, WSOP.com has been a disaster on that front. So I, I wouldn't necessarily emulate all those sites. And PokerStars, you know, they... They do things well, obviously, but I've had criticism from PokerStars that whenever they screw something up, they never make it right. 
they just find a way to worm out of the situation. And we've seen that time and time again. So they're, they're not as reputable as people think they are. So William Reynolds then did something even more surprising. After going off so hard on Ultimate Poker, dancing on their grave over a period of two hours, all of a sudden, his tweets disappeared. So... Wrong sound clip? Right, was the wrong sound. I was hoping you wouldn't notice <laughs> I meant to do the current affair sound effect, but I, I see C on there, and I just jumped to Cuckoo instead of... Uh... There you go. So, yeah, he said that he just deleted all his tweets. So I asked him about it. I said, wait a minute, William. You know, if you're going to come out and make these bold statements, if you're going to go trash talk Ultimate Poker, stand behind it. Don't puss out and delete the tweets, especially after everyone had seen them and reposted them. Don't, don't remove them at that point as if it never happened. And so his excuse was that he doesn't want to take up room on his Twitter with this. <laughs> you know, as if he's a major celebrity and that he has such a important information up on his Twitter to where he can't clutter it with uh, seven tweets about Ultimate Poker. I mean, it's a joke. There, there's, no re- no re- there's no way that was the reason. The truth is that... William Reynolds is a very emotional and outspoken guy who just shoots from the hip, and I think sometimes he regrets it. And I think after talking all the shit about them, the more calm William Reynolds decided, hey, that wasn't the best idea. It kind of makes me look immature. Whatever the thought process was, like maybe I better delete this and pretend this didn't happen. Then probably afterwards he noticed everyone was talking about it and it was kind of too late. But uh, uh, I, I don't believe he needed to clean up his Twitter. If you go to his Twitter, there's nothing of real interest up there aside from this. So that's a bunch of crap. So It's probably more like it'll be tough to get another job on a site when they see if you leave a site, you're going to shit all over them. Right, right. I'm sure that's the something reason. Something like that. I'm sure it's something like that, yes. that's uh, <laughs> So it's kind of closing the barn door after the horse has escaped. I mean, everyone's talking about it. and Whenever someone deletes tweets, that just makes you want to repost them even more and talk about them even more. Uh, It's kind of like what they say about children, that children listen to their parents the most when they're whispering. And it's kind of the same thing about deleted tweets. If you make it so people are not supposed to see them, then everyone says, oh, what's the juicy stuff I'm missing? So... I mean, once you say something like that, just leave it up. If you if you want to go sneak it down months later when you're going to apply for another position, fine. But to remove it the same day looks kind of stupid. But whatever. So I think William Reynolds is mostly right with his criticism. Uh, obviously, this is being done because he's pissed. And I don't know why they fired him, but... The truth is I've always felt that these pros don't really bring much value to the table unless you've got a huge name like Daniel Negreanu or Phil Ivey or Phil Hellmuth or something, someone who's really going to attract people because they're a really big name. But I just don't think they're getting many people signing up because William Reynolds is there or Daniel Anderson is there. Like, who cares? Well, they seem to take the tact of the, they had like one big kind of commonly known quote-unquote poker celebrity, which was Antonio. And then I think their strategy was they wanted to get people that were sort of celebrities only in the online world to attract online players. Yeah, that is probably what they did. And I think this kind of shows how the people involved there are – they think they know – 
the right moves here when they really don't. Because the truth is, what does the average online poker player want? Do they care who the current sponsored pros are? No, unless it's someone they hate. But they usually don't say, oh, I'm going to go play there because uh, they've got Daniel Anderson as a sponsored pro. They may like her. They may know she's there. But other than her close friends, I don't think anyone's going to sign up there because she's a sponsored pro. And I think the online players, what's important to them is rake, promotions, uh, availability of games, customer service, software. I mean, the online poker players just want something that's functional. The online, that's the big online guys, the big online grinders. They want something that's functional, that makes it easier, more pleasant, and more profitable for them to play every day. They don't really care yeah. about uh, online pros. No, I don't even think they really care about customer service if they're making enough money on the website. So it's rake back, it's fish, it's that's if you're a grinder, you just go to the site that's going to give you the biggest return. That's it. Well, yeah, that's I mean that's a lot of it. It's true that if you're if you're killing a site, you're not going to say I'm going to leave because the customer service sucks. I mean, I I I've I'm a big customer service guy myself as far as it being important to me. Yet I've been on some sites in the past that had awful customer service, but uh but yet they weren't cheating people. They just were clueless and and awful, but uh you know, I was making a lot of money there so I tolerated it. So right. I, yes, that's obviously the most important thing to online poker players. Uh, but but still, having good customer service, especially if you're not killing the site and you're kind of just breaking even or slightly making a profit or, or you're not an online grinder, you're just someone who likes to play a lot, uh, there it's very mm-hmm. important. But uh, there they did a pretty good job. But at the same time, I think, again, like – Hiring these pros that are not huge names like Antonio, I don't think they bring any value. If I ran a site like this, I wouldn't hire pros like that unless the pros doubled as actual employees of the site who are doing other things. Right. I think especially in a site like this because you're you're only after the Nevada market. And especially with them being first to market, anyone who's an online poker player who's a grinder, they know about the sites that exist. So you're really you want the mass market. Yeah. So if you even took five of those smaller pros and put that salary into one bigger name pro that could attract just more general population casual players, I think that would have worked out better for them. Yeah, or put it back into promotions for the players, or or rewarding yeah, yeah. Uh, game starters with with 100% rake back or whatever. They could, they've got to do things like this, and they didn't get it. So, uh, like, desperate times call for desperate measures. You don't just sit there and watch the ship sinking and go, okay, well, we're going to just, uh, we'll stay the course. I'm sure this ship will start floating on its own again. Like, it doesn't work that way. you got to change something. It's, just, it's similar when you play poker. Uh, if you're going through a bad run in poker, it may just be luck. You may just be running bad. And if that's the case, that'll pass. But if you consistently lose over a long period of time, it's probably not just bad luck anymore. It's probably that... You have either lost confidence and changed your style for the worst. Maybe your old style that won before doesn't work anymore. Maybe you've moved up to games that are too tough, or the games you were already at got tougher and you can't beat them anymore. At that point, you've got to look at yourself and say, if I'm going to stay here, if I'm going to stay in these games, I've got to change something or I'm going to get clobbered here because it's it's no longer just bad luck. And I've had to do this myself at times when I've struggled at the table and say, wait a minute, you know what? Why am I struggling for so long? It can't just be luck. Yes, I've run bad too, but it can't just be luck for the amount of times I've been struggling. And then I think about what am I doing wrong or what else should I do differently or should I play somewhere different or different stakes? And, and I adjust and, and that's how you know I, I stop myself from, from bleeding away too much money when those things occur. And uh, I think Ultimate Poker did not do that 
in their business model, and uh, you saw what happened. So you know, it's not like they're gone. They're still in Nevada. There's still time to change. I hope they do. If if they turn it around and they become successful, I'm not going to say, oh, I hate that company. I wish they didn't win. Like, I, I'd be happy to see Ultimate Poker succeed because they have good customer service. And I think a successful Ultimate Poker would probably be more pleasant to deal with than a successful WSOP.com. So I, I have nothing against them. I hope they succeed. But uh, so far, they're they're making a lot of the wrong moves. And just like a poker player making the wrong moves at the table – uh, when you see them lose, you're not surprised. So that's uh, that's my feeling about that. Uh, Justin Archuleta, how do you say his name? Archuleta. Justin Archuleta is a scammer. There's pretty much no question about that. And that's been known. It's not a shock that uh, it turned out he was a scammer. And we've had many scammers in poker. That's, in fact, uh, a large focus of this show. And this show has been around for two and a half years. And long before, two and a half years ago, there were many, many scammers in poker. But the interesting and unusual thing here is that Justin Atroletta showed up on 2 Plus 2 about like five days ago and posted a confession out of nowhere where he acknowledged scamming over... $270,000 from various people on that site. That's not like coming out and saying, hey, I scammed people for a total of 10000 This is like $270,000. That's a, that's a pretty big aggregate of scams. And while there was one very large figure that contributed to that, that was less than half. So this is what he wrote. And by the way, as I'm reading this, Keep in mind that as the thread had progressed, and I read the whole damn thing, at least as of this morning, I'm convinced this is all real. That is, it's really him, and the list of people he scammed is true and correct, at least to his knowledge, for his memory. He wrote this, The arena of confession should be as large as as the audience of the original offense. That was the first line. I should tell you the name of this thread on 2 plus 2. It's called, This is My Confession. So he writes, The arena of confession should be as large as the audience of the original offense. I, Justin Archuleta, of sound mind, body, and soul, admit to the theft of many poker players by using digital means of many scamming techniques. And he goes on to list them. Keyloggers, Quick pay scam, PayPal scam, DDoS internet interference, third party scams, chip dumping, credit card thefts, and last but not least, two plus two account breaching. So he's admitting to doing all the, all those things. Pretty long list of bad behavior there. Many of these I committed myself and some with the help of another individual who had a connection to 2 plus 2 accounts in which I bought and gave a percentage of what I received from a scam. We'll describe that a little bit later. Largely because I had other techniques in the USA to retrieve funds to cash out accounts. Also, my English was a little better to use social engineering. So he's saying that uh, he was the main scammer. His accomplice was working behind the scenes because it was not an American. 
I don't know. I don't know the person's name, and if I did, it's his responsibility if he wants to come forward as I am. This is all I can say about him, and that he has closed communication with me, which I, I think is stupid. I mean, if he really wants to come forward, just dump everything about the guy and let us find him. I am in no way, shape, or form proud of what I have done. I have repented seriously with God in July and cried hard. He cried. Okay. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, that's that's why that's the reason I had that sound effect loaded <laughs> up. By the way, <laughs> I feel really bad for what I've done, and wish that all my victims give me a chance to make things right. I've come a long, long way to get to this point. My last scam was last year around August for eight thousand dollars to Young Bluffkin. Please forgive me. I was desperate, lacked self-control, and didn't know the seriousness of what I was doing. December 2013 and January 2014, I composed this list as a step in my seriousness to make things right. I tried my best to remember every person and every dollar I took and wrote it down on my notepad. Here it is. Michael Getch, $4,000 on PokerStars. Colin Proxian, $500 on Win Cake. C. Bailey, 12 $7,000 Lock Poker. MacGyver, 72 $3,000 lock poker, and these are both 2 plus 2 related scams. Uh, JKid1084, uh, this wasn't me, but the guy I just mentioned, the accomplice, he blamed me, but I'll take the blame. $2,000 through money bookers, also a 2 plus 2 scam. SHHball47, 2 plus 2 scam for $1,000 on lock poker. Brian Martinez, $500 lock poker. Tim Kramer, $2,000 lock poker. Quasi Monster, 2 plus 2, $500 on net spin. This guy really got around. Uh, Solo Talent 2, $1,000 by a DDoS unlock poker. And what he means by that is that he would be playing this uh, this guy, Solo Talent 2, had his IP address and would just pound his computer with a distributed denial of service attack to where he couldn't connect to lock anymore and would time out during big hands and, uh, and then Justin would win the hand. So he says he did it for $1,000 worth to him, unlock poker. Lester Soups, $3,300, a Western Union scam where he sold stolen funds. EBIT 33, my first scam. Oh, his first scam. Isn't that sweet? You always, you always remember your first scam. $1,000 on carbon poker. Young Bluffkin on 2 plus 2 scam, $8,000 related to Bank of America. Trevor Pope, $1,500, traded stolen funds. Heisenberg, Party Poker, $10,000 on Party Poker. Uh, Missy, $1950, $1,400 on Poker Book. Love Puddle, $2,000 on Lock Poker. Die in Fire, $5,000 Juicy Stakes. I have a feeling that uh, Die in Fire probably really screamed that after he realized he was scammed of $5,000. <laughs> Here to, here to kill it one. That's probably someone also wanted to uh, kill after he got scammed for $2,000 on Lock Poker. Sean Anthony for $70,000. And also, uh, so that was uh, for Lock Poker, he got scammed 70000 And then an additional 4000 from a DDoS, as if the 70K wasn't enough, he had to DDoS him for another four. Wow. That's really an extra kick in the ass. And then this is the worst one. Micah Smith, also known as uh, Micah J on 2 Plus 2, he was scammed for the tidy sum of 
One million dollars. Okay, not quite, but he was scammed for a tenth of that, one hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And that was on lock poker, and another forty thousand on winners poker. One hundred forty grand to Micah Smith got scammed. And Micah Smith actually created a thread about this two years ago on Two Plus Two. We even talked about it on this show, uh, but it was not known at the time who had done it. But someone had hacked Micah Smith's account on Lock Poker and shot off 100k, uh, and also 40k on Winners Poker. Uh, Mr. Goomba on Lock 4100 and another three thousand dollars through a DDoS. Toby Stevens zero. Uh, he got away cheap for only two hundred dollars on Carbon Poker. And uh, also, Andrew St. Hilaire, $1,800 through trade of stolen funds. Now, uh, there were various ways he accomplished this, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, A lot of them were done through compromised 2 plus 2 accounts, where he got access to accounts that had good reputations and then would arrange bogus money trades, where the person thinks that they're trading with a legitimate person with a good rep, and in reality, they're trading uh, with this scamming scumbag, uh, Justin. The compromised 2 plus 2 accounts he claims to have gotten access to were Paper Empire, SurfDoc, Zammies, Barbar86, Gimme the Loot, and amazingly, ABBA20. That's uh, Brian Townsend's account. So he had uh, Brian Townsend's 2 plus 2 account and scammed people through that, among those other ones. So uh, basically what he would do... He would access something. There are various things he did. The 2 plus 2 accounts, he would do bogus money trades in the trading forums. And like, let's take ABBA20, for example. Everyone knows Brian Townsend. You don't think Brian Townsend is going to cheat you. And Brian Townsend didn't cheat you. But what appears to be Brian Townsend will say, okay, uh, ship me whatever money on lock poker and I'll ship you money on uh, your bank. So, okay, sure, Brian, everyone knows you. You ship the guy money on lock poker, and then, of course, you never get the money to your bank like Brian promised you because it wasn't really Brian. So he did this with a number of accounts because, you know, you can't keep doing it with the same account or people get wise to it. So he did this to a number of 2 plus 2 accounts that he claims came from the 2 plus 2 breach where 2 plus 2 was hacked and the passwords were stolen. And uh, he claims the hacker, while it had nothing to do with him, that he eventually made contact with this person when he was trying to get rid of the lock funds he stole from Micah Smith, the 100K, and that this hacker then was selling him 2 plus 2 accounts and also taking a commission. So like he'd, the hacker would sell him these 2 plus 2 accounts for some flat rate, then whatever he scammed with these accounts, he'd give the hacker some percentage of it as well. So he goes on to write, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I will do my best to pay it all back. That matters to me more than anything, and I know I can do it. Uh, Before I continue, I want to tell you some other things he did to scam. Uh, The DDoS I've mentioned where he somehow gets someone's IP address. There's various ways to do that. It's not that hard to do. And then would uh, do distributed denial of service attacks against their IP when he'd be playing them heads up. And... Honestly, I'm kind of surprised that worked, but I guess it did. And there were people who were complaining about this happening going back years. And people were not taking them seriously. They thought they were just sore losers. Or they had an internet problem and blaming it on the person they were playing. But apparently this is a real thing. These DDoS attacks against people playing poker. Now, 
it's important to understand they were not DDoSing through the poker site. They had to have your IP address that they'd get in some way from your own uh, carelessness, letting the person get it. And then they would DDoS you when you were playing them heads up, where it didn't even have to be heads up. Like you're in a hand with them. You've both put in a lot of money and then you DDoS the other person and they're auto-folded and you win the money. And they think they just had a connection problem at the worst time. Uh, so that was one of the things he did. He did the two plus two things. He did some straight up uh, just pretending he was going to send funds or and then you know he gets the money at his bank and then uh, doesn't actually give the person their funds. There's, he, he mainly did it on lock poker, as you heard from the list, but also all over the place. So he goes on to write, Life is about doing good to others, and I want to follow the path of righteousness. That's already kind of facepalm worthy here. Yeah. I will use my knowledge to improve science, the economy, and the well-being of others' lives. Yeah. Now it's just going off into the weeds. Like Up till now, it was kind of like a clear-headed admission. Like, I did this. This is how I did it to each person. Here's how much I did Like It's a very comprehensive and understandable and clear list. Now he's going on about, I, I will use my knowledge to improve science, the economy, and well-being of others' lives. And he's capitalizing words like science and well-being. It's really weird. Uh, I quit poker. I quit weed and growing. Looks like not soon enough. Uh, I turned away from all things bad and want to do right by God's commands... And God's principles. So you see where this is going here. Uh, where is the rest of this here? Oh, uh, he he has grace and is forgiving, and it's not an easy walk, but it's so amazing. I can see his helping hand in my life now. The funny thing is, he capitalizes the word science and well-being, but not uh, not his for God, <laughs> which you're actually supposed to do if you're this religious I can see his helping hand in my life now that I decided to turn away from all sin I just can't explain what's been happening to me this last month I know God and he capitalizes God in all caps in this one is working in me and I prayed before I posted this that the message will be a powerful tool for others in some way There is a powerful tool in that message, Jeff. You, you gotta admit that. <laughs> You're right. There definitely is. <laughs> so uh, you can already see this is going off the rails here. Either the guy is nuts, or, or this is another form of uh, uh, manipulation. So you know, this kind of reminds me of this. Welcome. Oh, not that. Let me uh, get to the right video here. You older people will probably remember this. Maybe dark days for the Swaggart Church, but as the sky cleared, his congregation in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, were to turn out in force. Families anxious to show that their leader could come back with a clear conscience. It was only three months ago that they'd heard this. I have sinned against you, my Lord. And I would ask that your precious Okay, so that was Jimmy Swaggart And uh, this seems to have about the same level of sincerity Uh, So he writes To my victims I am very happy for what I did Sorry, sorry. he probably is very happy I think I I read what he really meant I'm very sorry for what I did I didn't even do that intentionally It's just my subconscious like 
reading what he really meant as he was writing. What hurts me the most was that I couldn't get my money off after I scammed you on Loch Ness. No, that's not probably was really, really what really hurts him the most. But <laughs> yeah. what hurts me the most was that some of this money was saved for newborn childs. And I took it away from you unexpectedly. Not newborn children, newborn childs, and I took it away from you unexpectedly. It's really weird. Like, like somehow he knows that some of this money was supposed to go to newborn childs, and it didn't. And hmm. so, is that Lee Child's kid? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, I know what it's like. I've been burned a lot. But I forgive, in all caps, all who trespassed against me. So now he's the victim somehow. Uh, and you well, hope he's God, really. <laughs> and you hope you forgive me as well. Deep in my heart, he capitalizes the word heart. I know what is right, and I'm doing what is right. I promised to do my best to repay. I just got a new job and have a side business as well, refinishing furniture and airbrushing. I also want to have one of the largest greenhouse clusters in the world, but don't tell anyone. Shh. So weird. I hope to expand the ventures and do what is right by the law as well. Because I have other plans to repay, which is a gray area of the law, and realize finally it's not right and very dangerous, I gave that up. I broke free, Justin Archuleta. P.S. If you have nothing nice to say, please don't say anything at all. I know I'll be banned soon (laughs) because obvious reasons. Feel free to email me, especially victims, so we can arrange a payment plan. I've come clean, so it should be obvious to you that I have no bad intentions. Yeah, It's obvious that uh, he's never lied before. I love that he's saying I'm a piece of shit scumbag But you're not allowed to say anything bad Yeah, please don't say anything bad to me Sorry I stole 270000 from you guys When you trusted me Please don't say anything bad Don't be mean Don't be mean to me I'm, I'm, I'm admitting what I did So don't be mean and uh, what was the thing with the green? So is he implying he's going to grow more weed? The, yeah, well, we'll get to thing? that too. The, he... We'll get to that too. It's, it's crazy. There's more messages from him, uh, especially victims, so we can arrange a payment plan. I've come clean, so it should be obvious you have no bad intentions. I've admitted this to my friends and family already, so please do not slander them. I am here. Email me. I'm not afraid. Just very sorry. Uh, take care, everyone. So. Uh, Some people question, is this really him? Could it just be a troll trying to aggravate people? But as the thread went on, various victims piped up and said, yeah, the figures are accurate. This is really what was stolen from me, including people who hadn't come forward before. So obviously whoever posted this had a lot of knowledge about it, about these different scams and the exact money. Uh, People said they recognized his writing style. Uh, One person said that uh, a few months ago that he had contacted them and talked crazy about God. So they're saying this looks very authentic that it's really him. He also took a picture of himself and claimed it was uh, taken yesterday, but that doesn't mean much. It could have been grabbed from anywhere. Uh, but I believe it was really him. I think there is a conspiracy theorist thinking it's, it's maybe the accomplice pretending to be him, but I, I think it's really him. Uh, now, of course, the most eye-popping one was the Micah Smith 100K lock scam and associated 40,000 scam on the other site. Uh, Micah started a thread on 2 plus 2 in May of 2012 that was entitled, My Lock Account Was Hacked for Over $100,000. And uh, basically what happened in that one, his, his lock account got hacked by clicking on an executable file that was a screenshot when uh, someone contacted him about doing a swap on there. So someone basically contacted Micah and said, Hey, I heard you, I, I heard you have a lot of money on here. And... I'll give you cash for it. And the guy's like, okay, cool. And then, you know, while they're talking, he says, hey, look at this screenshot of my bank account. I don't know what he said, but look at this screenshot. Then Micah clicked on it. And then that was actually a key logger. 
So then he was able to see all of Micah's passwords and was able to go onto his lock account. And $120,000 had disappeared from his account. Uh, some from transfers, some from play at uh, No Limit 08, which is the only game that uh, poker tr- uh, table ratings did not track. So he couldn't even see where it went to. And uh, it turned out uh, Micah's account on there was the Gimme Dat account, which was up a lot. And uh, so, so anyway, he posted parts of the Skype logs from the hacker where uh, he kept asking for chip dump transfers on another cake skin. And uh, so this is a big mess. And it turned out it was actually done by Justin. Now, strangely enough, Michael was actually, instead of coming out saying, yo, you fucking asshole, I hate you, I hope you die. Like, Michael's like, I think we everybody should give him a chance. Like, Michael was actually very... Positive about this Maybe just because he's hoping there's some Tiny chance he's going to get paid Which I think is highly unlikely Especially as you hear The rest of the posts that this guy made Um, He laughably offered $20 a week To pay back everybody he scammed Um, Even if he pays back $20 a week to everybody Simultaneously uh, Someone calculated it would take about 300 years To pay back everyone So you better hope he stays healthy Uh, You always have idiots on 2 plus 2 You actually had some idiots That were saying that Nobody should report this to the police And try to get him put in prison Because uh, that's not good He's come out here and confessed And we need to give him time to make money To pay back everybody So to keep him out of prison It's not like he's got some great job Where you're saying all right. You know, yes, he deserves prison, but he's going to make so much money, give him a chance. He's saying he can only afford $20 a week. And he's, what is he doing for a living right now? Uh, he's actually picking fruit. That's really his job. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's really his job. That's what he claims is his job, and he can afford $20 a week, which made people even think more that this is some kind of uh, troll job. Uh, that he's just doing this for attention and just because he gets off on this. He's a sociopath who just uh, enjoys watching people's reactions, which could be true. So uh, someone, I think it was this uh, young Bluffkin guy who was scammed for 8K, was saying he's going to put him in prison and he's super pissed. And this drew kind of a weird response from Justin who said, I cannot honor your request at this time because you're the one being delusional. I'm sorry for what I've done, but I can't respect your contradiction. This makes like no sense what he's talking about. How is $20 a week a slap in the face? I'm working legally now, but before I had plans to pay, before I had plans to pay by growing weed, I was offered 300k a month for 200 pounds a month at 1500 a unit, meaning 1875 dollars an hour full time. I got the investment and I got picked up on my warrant. I was on the run halfway through the flowering cycle, and this guy only gives one chance. I know I'm worth way more than that. I feel I'm worth over 1.5 million dollars a month. Can you believe he thinks he's worth one point five million dollars a month? Also, didn't he explicitly say weed is evil and against God? Yada yada yada. <laughs> yeah. Did he forget that part already? Or? Uh, no, I did. I, somehow I didn't see that, but he might have said it. Uh, he said. No, I'm th- saying, did he forget that part already? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he yeah. said, I'm giving up weed. And that's true. That's true. It, I, well, I guess he's just selling it. He's not using it anymore. So I guess it's a, it may not be because oh, it's against God. It was, just, it was just turning him bad. So this 300K may well be a drop in the bucket, he says. You know, it's just 300K. It's a drop in the bucket compared to the $1.5 million a month he's worth. I'll sacrifice my whole income to my victims. I just ask that you think long and hard before you post again. And don't be so hasty. Yeah, young Bluffkin, don't be so hasty. You got scammed out of only 8000 Don't be hasty here. I don't think you see the big picture here. Only the eight k I took from you. Yeah, how could he only see that? I mean, he should look at the big picture. Have a nice day. You almost had me fooled. He's telling this young Bluffkin, the guy he scammed. So this post outraged a lot of people, and they felt he wasn't taking any of this seriously and that he simply showed up to taunt people. Uh, some people thought he was being sincere, but it's kind of delusional and crazy. Uh, even others thought it wasn't even really Justin. Uh, he does have a criminal record. Uh, there's an old mugshot from Texas of him as he was being caught breaking into a home. And then uh, someone else posted a bunch of old information about him, uh, account numbers, emails, whatever. The whole thing's very peculiar. Uh, I'm just about sure it's really him for the reasons I already stated. But I'm really on the fence here as to whether this is a troll job, meaning it's really him, but he's trolling everyone, or if he really is just completely nuts, or if he has become a born-again religious freak who somehow thinks he's going to make everything right and is just kind of in a fog that way, or if it's some kind of combination of the above. What do you think here? I mean, it just seems like he's insane, to be honest, but... There's no if it's if he's gloating, then he's also blowing up his own spot. So I don't see how that's. Well, yeah, people are wondering that. Like, why would you come out of here and admit you scammed everyone when you're still in the U.S.? You could be arrested for it. Why come out there and put that in writing on a site that can likely be traced to you? You can't even claim right. it wasn't you who posted that. Why do that? Well, perhaps he's seen everybody else get away with it because, like, I, I can't think of any internet poker scammers. Who got arrested? The only ones I know of are the ones that uh, hacked Joe Seabock and then tried to extort money out of him. But they were busted for the extortion part, not the hacking part. I mean, the hacking part eventually too. But the reason the FBI got interested was because of the extortion part, where basically they got a hold of Joe Seabock's emails and uh, got those embarrassing things he wrote, including the the penis shots, and were trying to extort money out of Joe Seabock saying, you know, send me $20,000 or we're going to release photos of your penis. That's what got the FBI interested, not any poker thefts, even though these people were doing that too. Like once they started investigating them, then they were interested in the poker thefts as well. But poker thefts by themselves don't seem to interest the FBI, and pa- possibly this guy knew that. But who knows? True, I think- but, it, but it does – you know, negate his ability to do any future scams. So if he's just a scammer bragging about scams, well, now he can't scam anyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or at least it puts him under the hot light. So I don't see that aspect of it. I, it sounds like, especially from the things he's typed, he's just kind of lost his mind a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. It's just so weird. I, I, I really have a hard time other than believing it's really him. I have a hard time figuring out what's going on with him here. Is he just completely, nuts or is this like is he getting a laugh out of all this like like when he writes thing that he thinks he's worth 1.5 million a month and uh, the 300k may be a drop in the bucket and uh, he's going to make everything right and when he's playing the victim and saying that 
you know, yeah. he can't. Also, uh, 99 times out of 100, when a scammer comes out with this kind of mea culpa, someone's behind the scenes saying, either you do it or I will. Yeah, so that, that could be happening is, too. I mean, people knew he was a scammer. Like, well, I'll put the best face on it, which is, oh, now I've turned to God, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, like they figured out on the 2 plus 2 marketplace that you know that he was scamming people, so this is not new information in that way. Like everybody knew he was a scammer. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. the extent of it was not known. Nor yeah, the details, known, yeah. yeah, the details and some of the scams he did weren't known to have come from him. It's almost like a, a serial killer who you know committed some of the murders, and then when you bust him, then he confesses to a bunch of other murders that you didn't even know before that had to do with him. It's kind of like that, except mm-hmm. it's about scamming. So uh, it, it's so weird. And this is, uh, this is what he wrote about the 2 plus 2 account hackings. He said, I might open, I might open another thread and do this if I have permission. The 2 plus 2 account hackings were done by someone I met selling Micah's funds, and he saw what I did and was impressed and put his faith in me. He said he got the accounts from a guy that cracked passwords and that he was a DJ and part of Anonymous. So he claims he's part of the group Anonymous that hacked 2 plus 2. Uh, he would sell accounts for seventy to, a, for, to $750 depending on post count and reputation. I would give him cash up front and 10% of the funds I was able to retrieve in cash, meaning scam. I hate that I destroyed people's accounts and reputation. So I, I think I might believe that. I mean, he got a, he got access to these accounts somehow. And, like, I don't know if he was ever talking to Brian Townsend to get his 2 plus 2 account. Like, I have a feeling that he did get access to certain 2 plus 2 accounts without using key loggers. So right. the weird thing was he had a hard time figuring out how to post a picture on 2 plus 2 which is really weird for someone who's so technical. That was the one thing that kind of threw people, but who knows? Uh, so let's. Uh, so I, there's not much more to say about this. Uh, obviously, very bad. Obviously, this guy does not deserve forgiveness. Even if he were to pay it all back, he doesn't deserve forgiveness because he did a lot of terrible things. Uh, paying it back the least that he could do, but otherwise, uh, scamming is a free roll. If you can scam people. And then later on, say, oh, okay, sorry for scamming you. Here's the money back years later. Uh, by this point, you've already caused harm that's beyond the money because these people can't continue to play poker without a bankroll anymore. Uh, there's the emotional toll of it. There's a lot of different things that have happened as a result of being scammed beyond just the actual money that was scammed. It's, it's a, a domino effect. And I don't see him paying money back for that. Uh, and, and the truth is, you know, you can't just scam with the belief of, okay, well, if I ever make the money back on my own, I'll pay the people back, then it should all be fine. That's not how it works. It's like I can't rob a bank, and then if the police cash me, give back the money and say, okay, now don't charge me with a crime. It doesn't work that way. Once you commit a crime, once you've stolen from someone, you're a thief, and you have to suffer consequences for it. And you can't just try to pay people back and say, okay, let's just forget this whole thing. So as far as the God angle, maybe it's real, maybe it's fake, who knows, but I have no respect for anyone who, quote, finds God as a way to escape from doing very bad things to people in the past. I don't respect murderers who found God. I don't respect scammers who found God. I can respect regular people who get very religious for whatever reason and devote their life to that. 
Uh, that's not my lifestyle, but I can respect it if they uh, want to devote their lives to, to God and to religion. But not as an escape from bad things they've done as, as a way to prove that they're actually good people. I think that's usually a load of crap. It's usually a cop-out. It's usually a way to uh, get people off their back so they don't have to suffer the consequences uh, for their actions. And I also think a lot of times it's insincere. Right. It's almost like the, the, it's like a second persona. It's like, well, that was me before God. This is me now. So you can't you can't even be negative or attack me because that was pre-God. Yeah, I always laughed at the whole concept of repenting because I said, wait a minute. If you can just keep repenting and get into heaven, why not just be like awful your whole life and do terrible things <laughs> right. over and over and then like on your deathbed repent for everything and then you go to heaven? <laughs> You, you would think that would work if that's the what repenting really does. And I, I think that uh, you know if you really want to believe you're going to go to heaven or hell, you need to like take an aggregate of your life and see were you a good person or a bad person, and that's that would be the deciding factor. Not repenting at the last minute or doing awful things, and as long as you repent afterwards, then you're fine. So it's a it's a bunch of crap as far as I'm concerned. So uh, here's here's some uh, comments in the chat room. Uh, S double fuck. I'm going to find God and we'll learn to love everyone. Uh, then he asks, "Is bad guy still in jail?" Uh, J. Searles twenty two says, "There's no cosmic Jewish construction worker that's going to give you virgins and shit." Not happening. Desert Explorer says, "God and religion is a joke." Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy all the same. Uh, Beer and Poker says, "I don't tune in for religious bits." So this isn't a religious bit. Uh, I, I just had a telemarketer named radio survey call me and I just put the phone up to the computer speaker to listen to PFA. So, okay. Hello there to the radio survey. <laughs> Actually, Ken Scaler used to work uh, doing radio surveys. I worked for one day. So, you know, I'll, I'll tell you something. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. I was so curious about Ken's job as he told me all these wacky stories from there that one day when I had nothing else to do, I actually went down there and I said, Hey, I want to work here. And I just made up a bunch of crap about my background. Like I couldn't admit I had a master's in computer science. I just made up some BS right. that like I was a high school dropout or something. But anyway, they hired me on the spot and I worked a day there with Ken Scaler. But it, what pissed me off is Ken Scaler is like so into his routine that he he refused to work in the same room as me. Not because he was trying to avoid me, but like there's an A room and a B room. And I guess he put a lot of effort to make it to the A room. So even though he could have gone to the B room for one day, which is like most of the new employees there. Like, he wouldn't have been kicked out of the A room for good just for that one day. He refused to go to the B room with me, and it pissed me off. I was like, oh, he's big time in your drift. Yeah, I was like, come on, Ken. I'm coming here to observe you. He knew I was going to do this, too. Like, I didn't surprise him. I told him I might show up there and do this. And he's like, oh, yeah, do it, do it, do it. Like, he was begging me to do it, and I do it, and he doesn't work in the same room as me. It pissed me off. But I quit that job after one day. So when I said I haven't worked since 03, that's not even true. I did work one day at a radio survey job with Ken Scaler. And uh, did you get paid for that? I did. I got paid, uh, I don't know, like $8 an hour or something. But, uh, okay. Uh, Let's go to the next topic. And it goes well with Desert Explorer's story about the telemarketers. Because I got a call from something claiming to be Dell. Now, I'm going to play this for you. And... I'm very big on sound quality on this radio show, and I'm going to tell you right here that the sound quality is poor. And the reason is, while I can make calls very clearly and easily with this radio show, uh, what I can't do is 
or I'm not really set up to do it, is get like the whole radio set up ready for when I get calls I want to record. I don't have an easy way to record calls on my home phone. So when I got this call, I had to do this very ghetto way of recording it, and it seemed to be working, but it actually had static for interference or whatever. So I apologize for this. You'll hear some in the background, but uh, listen to this call I got that I recorded in real time as it happened from what claimed to be Dell. And keep in mind, I really do have a Dell, as we discussed earlier in this phone and in this call, this show. You know. Yeah, you are right. I do have a Dell notebook. So now that, that, that's so weird. I, I, I felt. <laughs> wait a minute. I, I felt like I was just repeating myself, but it's actually that was me recording myself. Okay, I confused myself here. Here we go. Yeah, you are right. I do have a Dell notebook. So now, what have you seen these hackers doing to my computer? Well, they are actually, you know, right now just sitting over there, and they're trying to actually break break through the network over there. That's all we see. We can see more once we, you know, uh, ask you to turn your computer on, you know, and we can actually tell you and show you the files. I mean, there's a whole bunch of files, huge. You know, and, and, and there's so many of them. It's, it's like a two-pronged attack, you know. So oh, that's a two-pronged attack. <laughs> Man, there's so many files, there's so many of them. It's a two-pronged attack. Man. So, and it's, 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 it's very, very, you know, important for you, and it's critical as far as your computer performance is concerned because it's under potential danger, and it can come crashing down any day, you know. So that's why I called you, and... Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through you with, a, a, you know, two or three steps over here, and you're not only going to be speaking with me, Todd, you're going to be speaking with my supervisor over here as well, with, you know, the technical support software supervisor here at Dell, and um, he's going to be taking over uh, just about two minutes from now, and he would further explain you and help you get rid of all that, you know, trash, I would say, you know, that, that's actually causing a lot of trouble, and is potentially dangerous for the future as well. Your computer is in jeopardy. Okay, now I, I have a question for you. Uh, is this going to cost me any money? No, this is, it, this isn't about money, Todd. This isn't about that. Since you're a Dell customer, and we we have a common Dell server, okay, where we get all the messages from our Dell customers, because we have uh, your service tag, which is only with either you or with the company, which is Dell. You know, it's a unique number. Now, that's, pr- that's true. That is true. Um, if you're not familiar with Dell, on the bottom of the computer, under the computer, it says service tag, and it's a combination of letters and numbers, almost like a license plate. And nobody has access to that except for Dell and you. So when they call up and they say, we have your service tag to prove that we're Dell, that's pretty convincing. I wasn't convinced. I knew they were full of shit, obviously, with the two-pronged attack crap, uh, and I knew what this was. But I was shocked that they had this information because I mean most of you have received these phony calls. Have you received these calls before where they claim they're going to fix your computer for some kind of fee? No, no. N- oh, you not haven't? a computer scam. I've gotten, I've gotten other phone calls for scams but not. Okay, computer. because I, I asked, even my mom's gotten these calls. The funny thing is my mom even messed with them. Like imagine like a 70-year-old woman messing with these people, but she, she did actually. Uh, but uh, most people I know have gotten at least one computer repair call but it's always like a random cold call where they don't even know your name and they just dial a random number and pretend to be from microsoft or or tech support and 
if you question them about it, who you are, then they try to make up excuses why they can't tell you. But uh, this one was unusual in that they had all the goods. That number. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have it with us, which is the... You know, your service tag number, if you see. And, and he got it right. I, I bleeped it here. He said, I don't want you guys calling up Dell with my service tag number and screwing with me. But uh, that was the right number he gave me. Uh, that's what I said. I mean, I can take you in a two to three steps. That's as far as I know. And once I'm done, I'm going to hand over the call to my supervisor. He's going to further assist you to get rid of all these files. Okay, and, and just to verify that, uh, you know, this, this is a legitimate call, can you guys, you have my address on file? Your home address, sir? Yeah. Right, when you actually, you know, when you purchase this and when this gets shipped out to you, your home address goes to, you know, the finance department, basically the people who take care of all the credit card information and everything. We, it doesn't come to us. What we have over here is your service tag number, your telephone number, your customer ID number, which is also a unique number, for instance, your Dell customer, and your email address, as a matter of fact, which is Dan. Okay, so I asked this because I wanted to see how much they really had on me, and apparently what he just listed is what they got. When Whatever information was compromised from Dell by an insider there, they only copied that stuff. They didn't bother with the address for whatever reason. So... Um, he listed what they had and then, in fact, told me my email address to try to sound more legit. I see. And, uh, right. And, uh, Todd, uh, I can also tell you that you have called us before with a problem with a power adapter type of issue. And that's right, too. I had. I actually had a service call where shortly after getting the Dell, it, uh, the, the power adapter was not it, – it was getting stuck and hard to pull back out, so I had them fix that. So – He's right about that, too. They must have had my service history. You know, uh, that's what you're calling about. Okay. Uh, All right, so let, let me have your supervisor here. Absolutely. You want him right now? Yeah, sure. Well, let's just go directly to the, the supervisor, since it sounds like it's a serious problem. Oh, it sure is. It sure is. And I would be more than happy to put my supervisor across. Give me just a quick moment here. If it okay. All right, I'll be right back with you. Just give me uh, one minute. We're just about, not even the 30 seconds, I would say. Okay, thank you. All right, yeah. you're welcome, Charlie. Take care. This is Alex. Okay, you said the uh, technician supervisor. That's correct. Yeah. All right. So, um, so, so, what do we need to do here to to protect my computer? Well, we're gonna have to go ahead and install a firewall on the server that will maintain the computer. Okay. And will min- so that that is the only resolution, and we'll have to clean this computer right now. By the way, this person you're hearing now, the supervisor is actually what I later determined to be the ringleader of this scam. He's the uh, the head honcho here. He's the one who is making the most money. The other guys are working for him. And uh, there was a hold time in between that I cut out here, by the way. It, didn't, it wasn't this smooth. Okay. These are the two steps that we have to do, and your computer will be maintained. Okay, let's go for it. Let's do it. Wonderful. I'll, I'll let you know, you can put up the firewall. There will be a fee involved. Uh, let me go ahead and check the computer details. I'll let you know. All right, so the fee uh, for lifetime is $399. But if you do not want to go for the lifetime, you can go for what? Two years, three years. So for two years, it's $199.99. And for three years, it's 
Oh, well, I mean, these are good. These are good prices here. So for three dollars and ninety-nine cents, I can get protection. Okay, let's do it. Three ninety-nine. Three ninety-nine. That's correct. You'll be getting a firewall. Well, I'm sorry, you think uh, for three dollars and ninety-nine cents, I'll get a firewall? No, three ninety-nine dollars. Oh man, three hundred ninety-nine dollars. I mean, oh boy, that's that's kind of expensive. Right, right. That's that's very high. I know that, but very few people buy that. So that's a license that will be there in the computer server for as long as you're using this computer. Apart from that, uh, you can also take up two years plan, which will cost you two ninety nine. Huh. Now, now the the guy before the guy who came on before said this isn't about money. This is free, but now you now you want money. I'm kind of confused. Uh, we he, you know, like I'll tell you, like he yeah. So for explaining us further, we do not charge any fee. In order to resolve it, there will be a fee involved. Because the only reason why, let me tell you, if there are very few errors, we can go ahead and manually take care one by one, one by one. Yeah. But if there are too many, we cannot. We need a software to get that done. That's the only reason. All right. Well, um, so you said for two years, it's how much? For two years, it's one ninety nine. I see. Well, uh, what about for one year? Do you sell that? Yes, one forty nine. One forty nine. Is there any period shorter? Like, what if it's only like three months? Do you have something like that? Uh, well, that's a one time fix where we provide the book for three months, and uh, that will be ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. Huh. Well, uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to take my chance that you guys are going to do such a, a fine job in fixing this that uh, right. that that it, I won't need this again. So I'll take the chance here, and, and I'll get the ninety nine dollar ninety nine cent version. No problem. I'll go ahead and do that. I'll take control on your computer in next two minutes. I'll get that done. All right, so that's how I'll do it. Uh, allow me just one more minute while I pull up the details. Okay. All right. Thank you. Internet Explorer. Okay, but you're not going to have me pay first. You're going to have to just go on. That's correct. We, are, I, we will not be taking any card information. That's against the policy. Oh, then, then how am I going to pay? You'll be typing it on the computer. Now, this kind of threw me a loop here because uh, I thought he was going to want my credit card up front, and I was going to keep giving him like bogus credit card numbers I'd make off the top of my head and see how long I can keep screwing with him this way. Like, like claim, oh, you know, this uh, I, I don't know what's wrong, and then say, okay, here, let me try my uncle's card or my dad's card or my sister's card, and here's a card I found on the street, and like see how long you can keep, you know, keep him on with this. But strangely enough, he wanted me to enter the compu- the card information on their site after they took over my computer. There's no way I was going to let them take over my computer, obviously, so uh, I had to go with a different plan. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm I'm in uh, Internet Explorer here. Where do I go? Right, go to the website, www.dellsoftwarehelp.com dellsoftwarehelp.com Okay. Now, you can go to that right now. It's not going to damage your computer. It's just the website. If you go to dellsoftwarehelp.com, you'll see the site I went to. You can do it. It's safe, I promise. I don't completely promise, but I, I went to it. It's fine, and I, I have a lot of knowledge in these things. So you're safe to go to dellsoftwarehelp.com. Uh, the only thing that could be dangerous if you clicked on support and then went to the third-party site uh, where you give them control of your computer, but... Uh, that requires several steps. You won't even accidentally do it. So you can check it out as we do this, dellsoftwarehelp.com. And hit enter. All right, I, I see there, and it has a phone number for support. Okay, what, what, do, I, what do I do now? On the right, you have a home about us, contact us, services, support. Click on support. Uh-huh. You will see remote access terms and conditions. You can click on remote access. 
Okay. Show my PC, the remote page, where you will see view PC on the right hand side in the orange box. So what he's doing is directing you over to showmypc.com, which is a team viewer type site where they can access your computer. Now, showmypc.com is actually not a malicious site. It's just a site that allows someone to do that. And from that point, uh, they do these bogus fixes at your computer and uh, and then have you enter your credit card at some point and, and charge you. I've, I did not get that far, so I had to insert a wrench into the whole situation. On the right-hand side, UPC, do you see that? Yeah. All right, just bring your mouse on UPC, and you will see UPC download run. So at this point, he wants okay. me to run the thing to view okay. my computer. Once you run that, uh, it will download something and you have to run that. Okay, now I just, I just got a pop-up here. A pop-up thing just came up saying, increase your penis length by three inches. Uh, that doesn't sound like your site. I mean, I, I don't mind if I, if I can really increase my penis length by three inches, I'll do it, but uh, that's what I see when I click on that. Oh, but don't click on it, then. Okay. Uh, just give me one second. I'll be right with you. Just give me one minute. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Oh, there was a little bit of background noise that way. Okay, so you've got a pop-up, right? What does the pop-up say? The, the pop-up says, increase your penis length by three inches. Click here for more information. Those are the actual hackers. Oh, man. Advertising. So you're saying that if I click on that, I, I really won't be able to increase my penis length or anything? That it's like a scan? No, sir. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, they try to sell you stuff, take your card information, and uh, order up. So well, if you're not sure, maybe I should do it. Maybe I should take a chance. You know, if my penis is three inches bigger, that won't be bad. You know, so you sure? Like, are you sure I shouldn't click on that? Uh, I would not recommend that. I mean, it's kind of tempting. All right, I'll, I'll skip it for right now. So, so what should I be seeing now, if not that? Okay, you will see view PC. Uh, if you bring your mouse on view PC, you will see download run. Okay. View PC download. Click on that. Okay, yeah, I just clicked on that. Wonderful. Uh, once you click on it, it will download an application. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. Last few to run. I'm supposed to run it. Right. All right. I just I just clicked on it. Okay. Right. What is this? Oh my gosh, what is this? Do you hear that? Do you hear that? But I, I do hear that, yeah. I, I just closed this, like, people, like, having sex, and there was, there was a horse there, and there was a pig there. What kind of site am I on here? Uh, that is the advertisement that you're getting, I guess. Oh, geez. I, like, I, I thought I'm going to run something to fix my computer. I got this thing with a with a woman and, and on the guy and a pig. Oh, my God. That, that was really disturbing. I closed the book. And you will not be facing that anymore. Okay, okay. So let, let, me, let me click run again. Let me let me try to... Maybe we'll get rid of it. Here we go. I'm going to click run right now. Okay, okay. I must be doing something wrong. Are you sure that's what I'm supposed to be clicking on? Right. View PC download run. All right. I'm going to try this again. Maybe the hackers are messing with me. They're trying to stop me from, uh, from fixing the computer. All right. I'm going to try it again here. That's because I have so many friends that I love. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. You know what this is? 
Uh, so the guy finally realized I was screwing with him when we got to Barney the Dinosaur. But it took a while. Like the guy was uh, – he really thought he had uh, $100 there that was waiting to enter his fat hands. But after this was over, even though I had a good time messing with him, I was pissed. I was pissed that Dell gave away my information like this, probably an inside job stealing my info to give to these scammers. Probably one Indian stole it and gave it to another. So I decided I'm going to strike back and I'm going to call that number that was on the DellSoftwareHelp.com because, uh, yes, they called me, but they have a number to call them, an 800 number. So I said, well, I'm going to keep screwing with that number because in these types of situations, while it's illegal to make harassing phone calls, um, you can harass scammers all you want, especially foreign scammers. So you can just harass them and harass them and harass them. It's a great way to blow off steam, and there's nothing they can do about it. There's absolutely nothing they can do because they're breaking the law trying to scam you. And if you call them back and screw with them, you know, what are they going to do? Call the police and say, hey, I'm in India, and uh, there's a guy we tried to scam, and now he's pranking us? Like, there's no way. So you can literally harass them all day and night, and there's nothing they can do about it. So uh, I decided to call up and mess with them. And I actually got the guy after a number of phone calls. I called up and basically told them I knew exactly what they were and that I was going to just bomb their phones with just like 10,000 calls every minute is what I told them. I told them I set up a bunch of uh, voice over IP lines to do it. I exaggerated, of course, but uh, I did hammer him over and over and over with calls from several phone lines. And finally, after the guy shouted to me, I should have recorded this stuff. Somehow I didn't. Uh, He shouted to me, fuck you, motherfucker, and hung up on me. Uh, finally, he answered and talked to me and admitted that he was scamming people, told me he's been doing it for years, told me that he paid $2,000 for this information from Dell and also gives a commission uh, when he makes these sales. I, I think maybe he knows this uh, Justin uh, At- Atroletic guy. It sounds like the same uh, business model. <laughs> but... Uh, he confessed to everything, and he confessed in a way like he was bragging to me. He says, he, I have more money than you do. You, you, you're jealous of me. I have been doing this so, so long. And he was, he was really proud of himself and bragging to me about how successful he's been at this, and I have no clue how much money he's been making, and it's more than I can ever imagine, blah, blah, blah. And I will say that when I was hammering their phone number, they didn't have that many people answering the phone to where I really kept getting this guy over and over when I was like bombing it with calls. Uh, he tried to block my number, but I have ways around that. So he was – I really made his life hell until they like, stopped answering the phone. But I haven't called him since. So I figured the next time to call him would be right now. Now, it's a little bit off hours there. I don't know if they'll answer, but – He was paranoid after having that initial conversation with me because when I called him back one of the times and tried to talk more about it, he was actually paranoid I was recording him and wouldn't talk further and hung up on me. So I think he's not answering. They claim they were only open until uh, I think 6 o'clock Eastern, so it's kind of weird if you're going to scam people. Like why not be open 24-7? But I I guess the guy needs his beauty sleep. Yeah, scammers got to sleep too, Drove. Yeah, I mean he's – I mean, I guess if he makes that much money, he can afford a short work day. So. Isn't it like 5 a.m. in India? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really 
And yes, it's pretty late there, but the truth is that they're operating on U.S. business hours because they have to pretend to be Dell. So, right. All right. So that that didn't work. I was hoping he'd answer, but it didn't happen. So anyway, if anybody wants to call and mess with them, though, you can feel free. It's eight hundred five one eight zero eight three seven. 800-518-0837. Uh, feel free to record it, of course, and uh, post them to Poker Fraud Alert. And uh, I'll play any good calls you get that you post on Poker Fraud Alert. I'll play them next week. Uh, 800-518-0837. Feel free to harass it early and often. I actually told him on the phone. I said, you know what I'm enjoying about this? There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop me. I'm going to screw with you all day and all night. I'm going to make your life miserable. You're going to hear from me over and over. I'm going to stop you from doing any more scams. I'm going to prank you all day and all night and there's nothing you can do you cannot stop me there's zero you can do and in fact i offered that we can call the police together and i'll tell the police that i'm going to harass them all day i told them give me the name of the police department you want me to call i will call them right now and tell them what i'm going to do to you so he didn't accept i'll that give offer. the uh, the users of the site a little tip here on identity theft um any kind of account you have with any kind of company uh, especially utilities, make sure you set up a PIN, uh, which is usually optional. Uh, but I actually did used to do what's called skip tracing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Druff. No. But, okay, well, skip tracing is basically locating people that owe money. And so what we would do is we would locate these people who have bad debts and then once they had been located, we would pass that on to the actual debt collection agency. Mm-hmm. But our job was actually to find out where they were. And huh. in specific, uh, we always needed their actual home physical address. And one of the ways that we would do this is to call uh, utility companies. And if you don't have a pin on it, basically we would have enough personal information on you, your previous addresses, phone number, Da, 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 that we would be able to pry that out of most customer service agents. Yeah, I've been able to do that before too. Yeah, I've I've social engineered a lot of those type of things to get info. So yeah, it uh, that is that is something that can be done. <laughs> so uh, interesting that you did it for the tracing of deadbeats. So I talked to Dell about this, and uh, I got a hold of someone semi meaningful there by emailing Michael Dell, the CEO, and of course he didn't personally read it, but it uh, went to some department there. So. Some department's still in India. They refuse to let me talk to anyone in the U.S., but some executive office, they claim, in India uh, has been handling this. But they've been in denial mode. So what I did was I've been threatening them with the media. I basically – I told them to take a look at my Wikipedia. I pulled the uh, the Wikipedia rank on them. And I said, take a look at my name in Wikipedia. You will see that I was on 60 Minutes. I was on CNBC. I was in the Washington Post. I was in all these things talking about internet scams, which is kind of true. You know, it's not this type of scam, but it was a scam that took place over the internet, the absolute poker scam. So I said, I'm an expert in internet scams. These places interviewed me for national audiences with millions of people watching and reading over the last few years. So I still have contacts at these places. And if you do not give me a realistic investigation of this matter, I wasn't even sure I'd be like, going for personally here. Like, I didn't even know what to ask for. But I I wanted them to answer for this, basically. And I said, if you don't answer for this and you just deny it, I'm going to go to the media and there's going to be a big report on this because I'm close to these people who did these previous uh, reports with me. And the thing is, they can go on Wikipedia and see. So, uh, now, yes, I was exaggerating my influence here, 
but uh, I hope they're not listening to this show. But uh, uh, <laughs> they they actually were scared by this and say they're going to investigate this further and call me back. So I got a call back today, and I recorded that call. I'm not going to play the whole thing, but here's the beginning of it. Okay, sorry about that. So, uh, what conclusion did you come to? Not a, okay, uh, Todd, uh, we forwarded this feedback to our uh, you know uh, fraud department and. Uh, Okay, so I'm trying to understand what are you guys investigating because uh, it's pretty straightforward here. The only thing that's in question is where my information came from, but I have the call recorded where the person calls up. They direct me to dellsoftwarehelp.com, which is not a real Dell site, as I'm sure you've seen. Um, they they, uh, they try to sell me a package for $399 because of you know fake hackers that are supposedly in my computer, and they had all my information that Dell has. So obviously the information was stolen in some way, uh, and, and obviously this company that called me is, is not really Dell. Uh, what are you investigating? I mean, it's... Okay, we see that this call has not been initiated by Dell at first. So, um, you know, you, you, you've stated that, you know, they have all kind of information pertaining to your system and, you know, your uh, issue, system issue details. So we forward this feedback to our, uh, you know, the fraud team, the concerned department, who are researching on this, investigating, you know, and on this, and they will keep me updated once they have uh, research on this. So okay, but but what, what, what are they trying? There are many many other departments who are involved in this uh, because you know this is a case where we don't see that there has been any um, case where uh, Dell has compromised any. But, but this has happened. I have the proof. I have the call. How could, how could this be? What I'm not understanding here, and I'm wondering if you're just purposely pretending not to understand, is there's only two parties who would have my service tag. Those parties would be me and Dell. There's no way for anyone else to get that service tag unless I give it to someone or unless Dell gives it to someone. So if I didn't give it to anyone and I did not give it to anybody, then, then it had to be Dell. We have not compromised no, no, I, I don't want to hear that. I, how, it, it had to happen one of two ways. Either I gave it or someone who works for you stole the information and, and gave it to someone else, which is what really happened. Now, you may not want to admit that happened, but there's no other way for it to happen. It is not possible. It's like, it's like if you, let's say your best friend tells you a secret and that secret gets out. That means you, get, you told someone. There's no other way for it to have happened if, you, if only one person knew. Same thing. Only one entity knew my service tag, and that's Dell. So I don't know why you keep saying you don't compromise things, because obviously it was compromised. Now, I would appreciate an investigation on how it was compromised whether, rather than whether it was or not. No, we, I don't agree to what you say, Chuck. Why? Because uh, if you're talking about, you know, data, there's a lot of information available. You know, there are a lot of customers who have the data, who provide us with their data, all right? And the data is very much secured here, and the employees do not have access to what do you mean they can write it down on a piece of paper? They can write it down on a piece of paper. What do you mean they don't have access? I call up and I say, hey, I'm calling about my uh, my computer has a problem. What's your service tag number, sir? Okay, my service tag number is this. They take out a pad and paper and write down. It's very easy. So they're going to write down the information of, uh, you know, a big database. They're going to write down like 200, 300 customers' information on a sheet of paper. Is that what you're asking? Well, maybe, or maybe they put it on their smartphone, or maybe they found a way to ha to to steal it from the database. Someone has access to 
Someone has access to the database. Okay. Okay, listen, listen, listen. Is the point of this call to trick me... Is, hold on, hold on. Is the point of this call to trick me into believing this didn't happen? Is that the point of this? Because I'm not going to believe that. I've, I've already told you that the, the feedback and the information has been... All right, so there's too much interference. I'm not going to continue it. But uh, basically the call went like this, where they kept saying, we don't compromise your information. Uh, we're still looking into it, but your information was not compromised. We have very secure servers, and um, it had to have happened some other way. So I say, what other way? How else could it have happened? If it wasn't my fault, whose fault was it? If only me and you have the info. And she kept saying, I don't know. So it's a very frustrating call, but they claim that they're going to call me back within a week. And, and tell me what they've found. So uh, we'll see where that goes. And I don't even know what to ask for. Like, like even if they say, yeah, we figured out that your info, your info was compromised, I'm sure they're going to come back with, we don't know what happened. But I don't even know what to ask for. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to hold their feet to the fire for this because I was pissed that they allowed this to occur. So beware of that if you buy a Dell. All right, so... Um, there was some discussion on 2 plus 2 about Phil Ivey and whether his really good results in full tilt poker cash games was aided by some sort of cheating. Did perhaps Phil Ivey see whole cards? Did he cheat Matt Harlenko, for example, in their heads-up match where he won a million bucks? Uh, did Ivey have some kind of edge that people didn't know about, aside from just being a good poker player? Uh, It's been pointed out that Ivy really has not done well anywhere online except for Full Tilt. And it was pointed out that Ivy was happy to do this edge sorting in these casinos to get the edge over there and win a lot of money against their rules. So they're saying, well, if he'll cheat the casinos, why won't he cheat other players? Well, I would agree with that if I felt he was cheating the casinos. But he wasn't cheating the casinos. He was engaging in advantage play versus the casinos. And that's a very different story than cheating. So you can't say every advantage player is a cheater. Otherwise, that means I'm a cheater. It means Andy Block is a cheater. It means many other people who have no history of cheating are cheaters just because they found a way to get an advantage over the casino. Even uh, Alan Kessler has played as an advantage player, and I'm sure nobody uh, pictures Alan Kessler at all as a cheater. So, kind of a weak sound effect there. So, anyway, uh, this this was uh, kind of a stupid thread until it got interesting. A guy named Private World showed up there. This is about five days ago. And this is what he had to say. He started off bashing Abe Mosseri. He said, Abe Mosseri should count. That little math genius nerd dick has flown under the radar for years. Uh, What is it, 18 million? And that's just what we know about under one account. Before all the high-stakes guys were multi-accounting because it was not a big deal back then. The rumor is in Bobby's room he made $40 million. I heard Gus kidding him about it, and the guy's making jokes about the $40 million Masseri made. That's the reason everyone owes Masseri, like Elie Lezra owes a million to him, and, and I don't think he's going to pay. He said Masseri is a dick for asking to pay him after all the money he's made on full tilt. They were tra- transfers to Elezra. There are only five poker players with great wealth that hasn't blown it on nonsense, and they say Masseri is one of the wealthiest. 
Dude flies under the radar. No Facebook, no Twitter, no nothing. Plays in games with billionaires in Manhattan that just lose. That's why he was arrested with Ilya Trencher and was playing so high. He's referring to that uh, the Trencher bus uh, having to do with the uh, underground poker games and sports betting. Uh, 250K, 500K with some of these guys. That's what he's claiming the limits were. 250,000, 500,000. Mark lasted, stepped down from a diplomat because Masseri and Trencher. He seems to slide under the radar somehow. He's a wise-ass know-it-all. And then he also put Phil Ivey was multi-accounting in the first years. So uh, people are saying, what do you mean by uh, Mark lasted? But then he says, Mark Lazary, the American billionaire hedge fund, going to be a diplomat to France or something, not anymore. So people are like, hmm, is this some kind of insider to the Bobby's Room nosebleed stake games in uh, the Bellagio and Aria? So uh, there were people doubting him. Someone saying there's no such thing as a 250,000, 500,000 blind game on this planet, which I hadn't heard of either. First of all, at no limit, that would be completely insane. But even at limit, that would be completely insane. And even if you're really rich, I mean, can you imagine how quickly it would add up at 250K, 500K? Uh, a raise on the turn is a million dollars if you're playing limit. So yeah, the, the, I, so you'd what need? So what would you buy in for? I don't uh, even know. Fifty million? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it would be crazy. Like, like, yeah, like losing a hundred big bets in this game would be losing fifty million, which you can easily do in yeah. limit holding. I, I've mm-hmm. lost a hundred big bets many times. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I don't know about that. The highest game I've ever heard of going in Limit Hold'em was 100K, 200K, and that was with Andy Beal. But that gets discussed here, too. So people are questioning if this private world guy is real or if he's just a phony who's pretending to know about this stuff. Uh, and then he says, actually, there are six of those games on the planet, three in New York, two in Macau, uh, and sorry it's over the head or ridiculous to you fanboys. Billionaires don't care about losing $20 million in one weekend. Just ask Toby, referring to Toby McGuire, Leo, Leo DiCaprio, Heli, Masseri, and Trencher. I'm not sure. Who is Heli? No, whatever. Uh, so then they accuse him of being uh, a band account on 2 Plus 2 that was known as Vegan. And it's some people are insisting it's this vegan guy who's just a troll and a phony. Uh, but uh, Private World keeps going on, insisting he's real. There's some suspicion that Private World might actually be Viffer. Uh, but but he goes on to say, yes, it must be a lie when, when we read in the Trencher-Namad indictment, that's referring to that uh, Trencher case we've talked about here before, in the Southern District of New York, in front of Judge Jesse Furman, it must have been a lie when 124 taped conversations were placed in evidence of high-stakes players and mega-bookies talking about these games. It must have been Molly... It must have been a lie in Molly Bloom's book when she spoke of this game and conveniently changed Mark Larcy's name out of the $5 million pot games that lasted two days at a time. It must have all been one big lie. It must have been a lie when Guy Liberté did not pay his buddy's guarantee because of the high-stakes guy said they pressured him in, into under the influence. So he's claiming that Guy Liberté, not Guy, Guy Liberté, the owner of Cirque du Soleil, guaranteed some guy in the game saying, you know, he doesn't have the money with him now, but if he loses, I'll pay for him. And then I guess the guy lost, and he's claiming that Guy did not back it up like he promised and said, you know, you guys got him under the influence of something and then uh, pressured him to play this high, so you manipulated him, F you. I'm not paying. 
Uh, and then to deny that he was Viffer, or sorry, he said all these people got in one big room and lied and lied and lied and all are bad at math too. Ha ha. Sorry, do not eat five hamburgers a day. Can't be Viffer. Viffer has been broke for years and could not even serve drinks at these games. Viffer would not know one thing about this tricked-out world. So it does sound like a little bit like Valve does protest too much. But I will say that Viffer is not a good writer, and this guy is not. If you read it, he's full of misspellings and poor grammar, and Viffer could never write well. So that does add some fuel to the rumor that this could be Viffer. The person could also be full of shit. Like the Viffer, they suspect it's him. He's like, oh, crap, they're on to me, and then insults himself. So I'm not saying it is Viffer, but it also uh, it also could be. I wouldn't be shocked if it was. Uh, he goes on to write, uh, As for Todd Brunson, have not spoke to Todd since he beat up Jennifer Harmon and broke her jaw while dating her 15 years ago. Now, in that case, it wouldn't be Viffer because Viffer wasn't on the scene 15 years ago. Uh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I've never heard about this happening. Did you? No, I mean, they did date, right? But yeah, I never heard about, he claims they have Todd Brunson beat her up and broke her jaw. Don't like women beaters. As for Howard, I did go use, I did used to go to his 4th of July parties, but was not there when Ray flew the lobsters in by helicopter as Daniel claims. Don't dislike Daniel. Just know like he knows I know what's up with him. That's why Daniel does not mess with me or others. I can assure you you will never see Daniel attacking me ever on any forum in his true fashion Daniel way. Never. Uh, so he's like pretending like Daniel knows who he is. Uh, yeah. Now, the 4th of July so party... He met, he met Howard one time at a party as well. Well, yeah, I, I met Howard one time at a party. I was at one of those 4th of July parties. I think it was in 07. Uh, I was invited through a third party that uh, to the party... Uh, this is actually not at Howard's house. This was at uh, uh, Steve Zolotow's house, which is a very nice and big house on a big property. And Full Tilt was putting on these parties. They would rent a giant tent that they would put in uh, Zolotow's huge backyard. They would actually shoot off fireworks there, believe it or not. Uh, they, they had food. Had a lot. It was an expensive setup these for the July parties, and they had them several years in a row. I got invited by someone who was a red pro there and they, they didn't monitor who came. Basically, if you knew the party existed and knew where it was, they, they didn't say, Hey, who are you? Or there wasn't like a doorman making sure you were invited. You just basically had to know about it. So, uh, they were pretty elaborate parties, but even then <laughs> I should have, I should have known even then that full tilt was shady. They had a karaoke contest where they were giving away some kind of expensive watch for, uh, doing the best karaoke and the, they claimed they were going to judge it from audience response. And I took part in it, but upon observing who won the watch and who came in second and got some other prize, like all the prizes were won by friends of yeah. Howard. And these were not even good people. Like they were not good karaoke singers. Like they weren't good in the way they sang. They weren't good with, with their stage presence they didn't do anything funny. They just got up there and sang an ordinary song and somehow they won. Like, it, it was so rigged. And uh, I was like, wow, I can't, I can't believe Full Tilt rigged a karaoke contest. That's really, pretty crappy. But uh, I guess it was uh, a sign of what was to come. But anyway, uh, this guy knew about those parties. See, this guy has a lot of knowledge of things that are real. Whether this guy's telling true stories, I don't know. But he has knowledge of a lot of different things that really have happened. 
which makes me think that he's got to have – either he's really thorough with his research or he's got to have some connections. Uh, then he wrote about Mysteri, um I've never heard of Dambolzerian in any of these games in this world. No offense, but you seem ignorant to the world I'm speaking of. That's why I seem so foreign to you. Not bothered by your ignorance. Just got 18 private messages of people that know exactly what I'm referring to. So uh, he's, he's claiming Dambolzerian is not in these gigantic games that he's talking about. Then someone brings up the name Pete the Greek. He says, Pete the Greek, that's a, name, that's a blast from the past. Don't think he's in the plumbing business anymore. After it was Trincher Plumbing, it became FBI Plumbing, LOL. Yeah, I almost feel sorry for Pete. Most forewent the cash he owed because they beat him for so much in New York. I like how he asked the judge, did this mean he had to cancel his vacation to Puerto Rico? Ha ha ha. Now, I don't understand that last part, but he's referring to a guy who actually was pressured into giving up his plumbing business to the Trincher family in order to pay his poker debts from these uh, high-stakes games. So again, he you know, he had a he had knowledge here. Like the guy, yes, he can go look this stuff up in between uh, people posting to him, but he seems to come back very quickly with these things. So the guy really does seem to have knowledge. I think he's someone. I don't know if he necessarily plays really high stakes, but he seems to be someone with a connection. Um, at some point, he said he's f- under forty-five years old, but not very much. This private world guy. And Private World also said that uh, – oh, sorry, not he said, but look at the name, Private World. So Pooh from our forum theorized that maybe it's John Hennigan. John Hennigan's nickname is World, and he's born in 1970, making him 44. So here we have a guy who is under 45, but just barely, like Private World says, and has World in his name. But would John Hennigan be so stupid to pick a name like Private World if he's trying to hide? Also, John Hennigan, I've never seen him write before, but I have to imagine he'd write better than this guy. This guy really writes like someone who uh, was never very well educated. Someone who, like Viffer, you can totally picture being a poor writer, and he is. Uh, John Hennigan, I've never seen him write, but I would imagine that he would write better than this guy would. So I, did, I don't think it's Hennigan, and from this guy's other posts on 2 Plus 2, he seems too involved in the forum to be Hennigan. Hennigan was never a forum guy. He was never involved in the online happenings. It's, just, it's not his thing. And uh, in fact, I don't think Hennigan knows that much about all these different things that were going on there. I think that uh, this guy is someone who's really interested in all this stuff, the Trencher case, everything else. So I don't think it's Hennigan. Uh, then he's talking about Doug Dalton, who was fired from Bellagio. The poker room manager. Why was Doug Dalton fired? LOL. Allegedly, he was moved to a casino in California after the Doyle and Billy cheating scam two years ago in Bobby's room. Bobby also placed floor guy in another state at Lyle's Casino for the big cover-up. Allegedly, Doug has been fired from Oceans, claiming that uh, Doug Dalton got moved to Oceans uh, 11 in San Diego after he got fired from Bellagio and that uh, um, there was some cheating scandal where Doyle Brunson and Billy Baldwin... uh, Cheated some, uh, I think they're saying cheated some uh, Saudi Arabia in there. Billy Baldwin? Or Bob, Bob not Billy, uh, hold on, not, not Billy Baldwin. Uh, I think of Bobby. Oh, he meant Bobby. He said, uh, um, he said later he meant Bobby. Oh, okay. So he claims that uh, 
Well, I'm not sure. Is it Bobby? Now I'm concerned. Now I'm confused. I was going to say, is that the actor? No, no, no. It's not <laughs> Billy Baldwin. No, it's not Billy Baldwin. I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused now. Uh, the, looking at the chat here. Um, the person banned himself, by the way. He's self-banned. And uh, I'm trying to uh, – there's something to read the chat here, but I'm not seeing it. Oh, they're saying Billy Baxter. Billy Baxter, that's it. I'm sorry. Billy Baxter. I know I said Baldwin. Uh, so anyway, Doyle, Doyle Brunson and, and Billy Baxter were, were uh, accused of – by this guy of uh, of cheating some some Saudi Arabian, and he claims after that, uh, Doug Dalton was fired, and then he moved to this Ocean's Eleven and was fired from there, and also moved another guy to another state who was a floor guy uh, as part of the cover up. So, uh, I will say Doug Dalton was a crappy manager there in Bellagio and was said to be very corrupt. But I, I don't know anything about this uh, Doyle Brunson scam. Uh, let me see what else he wrote here, this private world. Uh, eventually, as I said, he self-banned and he was gone. Uh, he, he talked about what Doug was doing. Cars. This is how uh, Doyle and uh, Billy supposedly cheated. Cards were marked. Doug would bring them out to the floor guy. Billy and Doyle was targeting two whales, but a couple of pros got hurt on it. It got really suspicious when Johnny Chan was circling and did not ever play that year until Billy and Doyle were gone. Someone did call in gaming. They got there at the end. Bobby was getting hit from everyone, including one reporter that was friends with the victim. A floor guy broke down and literally cried. He was scared. Bobby moved him to a great guy. A great, this is referring to, uh, to Bobby Baldwin. Uh, moved into a great job with Lyle, then waited six months to get rid of Doyle. Doyle played it off on Twitter like, here you all go again, accusing me of cheating. Uh, like it was funny. Doyle knows what he did. He's old, thinks he's going to die, and trying to get as much money for his loser son that can't win at anything. Bobby should not have covered it. I knew he had to. It was bad for Bellagio. The players in the game were given something. It cost Bellagio a lot to get rid of the situation. Bobby is very mad at Doyle and Billy if you want to see them playing with Doyle again. He's now at Aria playing in, in Broke Bobby's game at times. Oh, yeah, fuck you, Doyle. So he's claiming that... Uh, Doyle and Billy cost the Bellagio a lot of money, but they, they paid it to cover it up. And, you know, when it was found about the cheating, they, they paid off people to keep quiet about it, including the victims. So. And, and he, said, he said he meant uh, six months to get rid of Doug, not to get rid of Doyle. He said he misspoke when he Oh, okay. Yeah, I got confused by that, too. This guy, like, he keeps correcting himself. Like, he writes these. This guy's like a bad writer is the problem. So it's like, kind of hard to follow some of this. Uh. He wrote, Doyle got wind of this thread. He's texting around saying, can you believe they're still talking about me and Billy cheating? I can hear it all the way in Montana. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing his Doyle guilty, I know you know, but you're mistaken this time thing. Whatever, Doyle. Why text anything? I'm sure he, I'm sure he didn't text Johnny Chan with that. They would, stop playing for, uh, they would stop playing when Johnny wanted to play. These are two things that Doyle and Billy are scared of, and the first is Johnny Chan. So he's claiming that uh, when Johnny wanted to play... Johnny Chan, that uh, Johnny was aware they were cheating, or at least uh, suspected it, and that they would bail out of the game and say, ah, dinner time, and go off to dinner and then let Johnny play the fish. And not, he, He's not saying Johnny was cheating, but just that Johnny didn't want to play in the cheating game, 
but when he wanted to play, they didn't want to get in the way, so they're like, oh, okay, uh, we're going to take off now. You can play Johnny. So that's so what- they're saying Johnny – see, this doesn't really make sense. So they're saying Johnny knew – Johnny knew, but but, but, but like stayed out of their way. But at the same time, right. so he didn't get pissed that he was shut out of the game with a fish. They would they would give way to let him play when he wanted to play. But he's not getting a piece of it. But he's still staying he, out of their way for yeah. No he's reason. like staying out of the, yeah for no reason. He's staying out of their way and just uh, you know playing the fish and they, and they bail out and stop cheating when Johnny wants to play. And that Johnny would never play when they were there together. That's his accusations. Uh, so he wrote a lot of things like this. I mean. Very interesting stuff if it's true. Uh, then he wrote some more about Viffer. He says, I'm not sure what Delax the Donk, which is a user on 2 plus 2, is talking about with Viffer. Do not have, see how Viffer would know anything about anything, really. He's not around the world of high stakes. This guy is stuck on Viffer. Who am I next? Maybe Greg Mueller or Bobby? Didn't Viffer just get kicked out from the panorama in Vegas for not paying rent? He has three roommates who couldn't come up with five grand. If you would like to stay under the delusion I'm Viffer, then I'll go out and eat five pizzas today and wash it down with an All-American Dave shake, LOL. So he's really bashing Viffer, especially about you know his weight and uh, um, saying Viffer is broke and can't pay his rent. So who knows? I mean, this does seem like a lot of effort to say he's not Viffer. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm not Viffer. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to insult Viffer. Viffer wouldn't insult himself, would he? So I I don't know. This uh, I I should go back. I didn't think of this, but Viffer was very instrumental in breaking the not breaking it, but in really drawing publicity to the stocks trader multi accounting and collusion scandal that took place about four years ago. And because two plus two, two plus two tried to cover that up because stocks trader was one of their offers. Authors, authors. He was one of their authors, stocks trader, aka Nick Grudzian. And they tried to kind of cover it up, but once Viffer got involved, they couldn't really cover it up anymore. Viffer was like a big enough name to where they couldn't silence anything anymore. So then they let it all play out on two plus two, and it turned out stocks trader was very guilty, and stocks trader's been gone from poker ever since. But. I should go back to those Viffer posts about Stocks Trader and see if the writing style and spelling mistakes and stuff like that are similar to this private world. That would be interesting. That would be... i got to go take a look at that. I'm not going to do it during the show. But I'm going to do that later. Go find those old Viffer posts. Possible private world is writing this weird style to cover up his actual style, but I, I'm i kind of getting the idea it's just someone who doesn't write very well. And I remember Viffer didn't write well, but we'll see. Uh, again, more about Viffer. Not sure Delax Donks with Viffer. His ignorance runs a mile long, LOL. Viffer has a stalker that he doesn't know about, LOL. I would text Viffer and tell him, but he's not important enough for me to have his number for anything. Plus, I would be scared he would ask me for a loan, LOL. So there he goes bashing Viffer again. It's just, there's too much gratuitous bashing of Viffer. If I had to guess, I'd say this is him. That would be my number one suspect here. Not saying I'm sure by any means, but number one suspect. So, this continued to go on. Uh, he went on to write this long thing about Daniel Negreanu that I won't bother to read. 
He's not that interesting. Uh, I'll read this part, though. Uh, he says he's talking about the huge game that goes on. He says a game that goes on, a game like this goes on every week for 15 years from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in Manhattan with billionaires that would make Andy Beal look broke. Andy Beal is not the only billionaire that gambles, people. Actually, he's last on the list. That's why the real high-stakes players live in New York, not Vegas. Two Bobby's Room players have played in this game for 15 years, and they will not let anyone else in. So he's saying that Andy Beal is poor compared to these billionaires that play in this Manhattan game from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. And it's been going on every week for 15 years. And uh, that's why the high-stakes people live in New York, because they want to play that game. And that the, if you really want to play big, big, big stakes, you've got to play that huge game in Manhattan with those billionaires. Now, Jeff, did you read the post where he basically said that this was all bullshit? No. That must have been okay. after I stopped reading. Yeah, I guess he posted on uh, the 21st. Uh, basically, he just said everything I posted was a falsehood. <laughs> Sorry to all the people. <laughs> so, so I just wasted all about, I, I just wasted I tried to delete time. the thread, but I couldn't, and that's why I'm banning myself. Jeez. I, so I, you could have told me this before before I wasted the radio's time. <laughs> No, but you know what? The, the truth I is, I saw here, it in the chat. I honestly don't read two plus two. Yeah, see, I, the funny the, thing the is, pages I, are two. There's like a hundred pages a day in every post. I just don't have the time. But. Yeah, I've actually been busy the last few days, so I wasn't able to read all of that. Like, I got through about like a few days ago, probably just before he posted that, and then kind of figured he's saying the same type of stuff over and over, and got sick of it. I don't know though. You know what? He he kind of has me convinced that he has some knowledge. Yeah, it, it, there's probably a kernel of truth in there. I mean, some of the things just don't sound possible. Like a 250, 500K game. I mean, he's talking about $5 million pots. I mean, they'd be like $20 million. I mean, that's capped on the turn to be $5 million pot. Even in limit. So yeah, you're right. I, I don't believe that at all. No, I, like, I didn't believe that either. Yeah, I, I, I thought that this was like a mixture of bullshit and truth when I was reading it. But uh, I thought it was someone who had some kind of insider knowledge, but also was making up stories too, and and maybe yeah. had maybe wasn't directly involved in the whole thing, but had friends who were. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I'm going to go still compare that to Viffer, and and see what I can see. And uh, yeah, and he may have just recanted because he got some heat from someone, and you know. But yeah, that's that's what I thought might be the case. Um, let me see. I'm trying to find this post you're talking about. Um, yeah, there's a link in the chat. Um, yeah, the thread is closed, and I don't see anything that it must be some other uh, thread he started. Here, I'll click. I'll click on the uh, link in the chat. Oh, here he started a new thread called "Everything I Said Was a Falsehood." I posted a confession beforehand, but they took it down or something. I'm not sure what happened. Please regard all my post. Please regard, even as a disregard, all my posting on this site. I completely made up BS. I did not think I had to prove gossip under the title of news views and gossip. I'm not even sure how someone would go about proving gossip, but okay. Everything I posted was just falsehoods. I'm sorry to Daniel for anything I posted bad about him. He does not deserve that. He's a great mentor, mentor to this fan site and should be respected. Daniel's an outstanding, straight, compassionate person, the best p- poker player that ever lived. Again, I'm sorry, Daniel. Uh, Big Timmy is right. I've never played higher than one two and do not know about poker. See, it's, uh, that's right there. Is it? Yeah, that's, that's strange. I don't know. Uh, who would say that? Who would say that? I mean, uh, uh, a real mea culpa would be 
hey, I'm just a forum troll. I, I got caught up in the moment. I, I wanted to seem like I was a big shot uh, in, in Bobby's room. I was fantasizing I was part of the world, so I made these things up. Like that, that would be the type of thing I would believe. But who would mm-hmm. put themselves down? I, I've never played higher than one, two, and don't know about poker. Who would say that? Yeah. See, I, I think this is like someone who uh, is sorry they said some of this because some of it is true. Uh, so please, all you top pros in administration that are trying so hard to silence me over merely mere untrue gossip, I will stop telling lies. I'm ashamed that I told made-up stuff and lies on post, and I'm sorry. Yeah, that seems like he's overdoing the lies thing. It really does kind of seem like someone pressured him. He's like, okay, okay, I'll go out and say it's all lies. Right, and then he banned himself, I guess, so that's another yeah. weird... Yeah. I don't know. Weird. That's so strange. I'm, I'm going to compare weird. this to Viffer. I'm really going to compare this to Viffer. I'm not, I'm not accusing Viffer, but I'm just saying that uh, it, it kind of uh, it kind of strikes me very Viffer-like. All right. As Double tells me in a private message in chat that uh, Doyle Brunton is actually scared of Mike McDermott. <laughs> It's funny that the only decent poker movie that was ever made was in 1998, before the poker boom. It, it was yeah, like, that's true. It was like the poker boom ruined the ability for anyone to make a good poker movie. Like, like everyone was too focused on the stupid stuff in poker, and uh, it was only before the boom that they could make a realistic movie and have it be good. Mm. Probably because every movie after the poker boom was all kind of structured the same, where they end up winning some big tournament, which... I don't know. To me, tournaments are not interesting, and it was more interesting when it was like an underground guy just trying to kind of make money in a cash game. Yeah, and and, and uh, you know, it was yeah. it had a lot of realism to it, and he had these interesting mm-hmm. characters. You know, like that's that's what that's a lot of what makes the poker world interesting are the different characters, uh, and 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 these right. underground games. Like they captured a lot of what makes poker inter- interesting in rounders back in '98, and all these other ones are these, as you said, like these by the numbers. Uh, um, guy tries to win a big tournament and then make the final table at the end and wins it. Like it, it's always yeah. some form of that, and it's stupid and it's unrealistic, and the poker scenes are terrible, and it, it's funny. And even the same guys who wrote Rounders tried to do other poker projects and they sucked. Right. So they were really one-hit wonders. These guys. They did write a, a movie not about poker that I like that didn't do well called Knock Around Guys. I actually like that movie, but. Uh, Oh yeah, and then they wrote one of the oceans movies too. So they've had some success, but the, anything they wrote having to do with poker since Rounders has sucked. Yeah, didn't they write that Ben Affleck, Justin Timberlake movie? Yes. Or was that somebody else? Yes, they, yeah, they wrote that. Was that. Terrible. Yeah, I, I was even on the 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 Blu-ray extra of that thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I like I I had a feeling it was going to be a fail movie, but I was hoping it would be better. Than it was, and I was like, "Ah, oh, of all things, I have to be on the DVD. It has to be like one of the worst movies. Like it can't even be like a okay movie. It has to be like an awful movie." Uh, my my girlfriend couldn't even get through the whole thing. She watched like half of it and gave up and left. I yeah, actually braved through it and finished it out myself. So at least I didn't pay for it though. So. Uh, S double saying he loved knock around guys. Yeah, I, I like knock around guys. And not only that, I had a, a girlfriend at the time. Nobody, anyone here knows. It was a, back in 2000, but uh, she was very into movies. She was a big movie buff and they, uh, they gave us some sort of like preview thing 
and we got to see it for free as a preview. And we both said afterwards we both really liked it. We both thought the ending kind of sucked, but the rest of it we thought was was good. So I thought both me and her independently liked it. Uh, showed it was it was a pretty good movie, but it did not do well. It was marketed very poorly, and uh, it sat on the shelf a long time before actually coming out. So whole big mess there. But uh, anyway, I don't know what to think here. This looks like a false confession to me, a false confession of lying. It's like uh, Elvis Costello had a line in one of his songs. When I said that I was lying, I've might have, I might have been lying. And that's pretty much what happens here, I think, is that the guy is lying about lying. Weird. All righty. Uh, let's move to the next topic. So many odd stories here. The uh, Justin Atruleta owning up to all these scams, this weird private world guy. Uh, William Reynolds deleting his tweets. All right, Poker Stars. Let's uh, talk a little bit about Poker Stars. Uh, it's just kind of more of a news item, not much of an editorial item. But uh, uh, Poker Stars said that effective October 1st, all UK players will be moved off of Poker Stars into a Poker Stars UK site. So they're going to be grabbing all the UK players and taking them off regular poker stars and dropping them in a fenced site only for UK players. And this will take place on October 1st. And they are having a few free rolls for UK only players for the trouble of this. But uh, they are doing this because of regulatory and taxation changes that are coming to effect on October 1st. Uh, part of the recently approved Gambling Act of 2014 in the UK. So in an attempt to comply with the law, they are going to take the UK players out of the world pool. So if you are counting upon playing, counting on playing the fish from the UK on PokerStars, you better enjoy it while it lasts. You have like one more week before they're gone, unless you're in the UK yourself. Well, another network that's not as trustworthy as PokerStars, the ill-fated Everleaf Network, the gaming director, has been arrested. And that's definitely a good thing. Let me get to the story here. Uh, the Malta, he was actually arrested in Malta, of all places. Malta's Lotteries and Gamings Authority, which is the LGA, which is known as kind of a, a weak regulatory body. A lot of these sites are regulated in Malta, but the LGA is known to be very weak. But they've issued a press release announcing the arrest of a Swedish online gambling executive. His name is Michael Zwi Oros, and uh, it has to do with Everleaf's collapse, where a lot of money disappeared. Uh, this guy is 33 years old. Strangely enough, he was released only on 10,000 euro bail. So I, I don't know what prevents him from skipping though. He's in Malta. It's kind of hard to get out of there, but, uh, he's ordered to remain in Malta pending resolution. And he was the gaming director of Everleaf Gaming Limited. He is alleged to have misappropriated, misappropriated, about 800,000 euros that uh, occurred for years up until about July 2013 
when the LGA finally took away the license from Everleaf. And they're also investigating Jean Pevli uh, for the same thing. Uh, they also said that uh, he pled guilty to not paying his gaming and license tax for failing to notify the LGA of the relocation of the company's control system and failing to deposit winnings, probably meaning that, uh, you know, of depositing, I, I don't know, depositing what the sites won, I'm not sure what that means, and failing to disclose all the ultimate beneficiaries to ensure properly, uh, to, to ensure propriety. Uh, so, uh, as far as the players who got cheated there, uh, it's, it's not looking very good. They're going to get any money despite this. So, uh, the LGA has a bad record on these sorts of things. I, I don't think, uh, even though they're charging this guy, uh, I don't think the players are going to get paid. So uh, what started this whole thing back in 2011, there was a uh, a seizure by the U.S. of uh, some funds that Everleaf had for cash outs. It was a small payment processor, and uh, apparently uh, this led to uh, kind of a snowball effect. That, uh, that they caused the whole Everleaf thing to collapse and, and pretty much uh, they couldn't pay anyone. And the, the money was gone and you know, the whole thing fell apart. And, uh, but regarding this situation, uh, in a complaint, uh, it says sources familiar with Everleaf's internal operations testified that thousands of Everleaf accounts were affected and included not only former American players, but also Maltese and other European players. According to that report, whenever clients of Everleaf Gaming tried to withdraw funds from their account, they were not allowed, allegedly because the company was refusing them to cash out their winnings. So, I'm sure they were refusing that because they had stolen the money, or blown the money. So, this guy is charged with misappropriating the money, at least 800 uh, euros. And we'll see what happens with that. I hope that... uh, they throw the book at him, but I'm not going to hold my breath on this. No. It usually is... doesn't end well for, unfortunately, people who get scammed in these kinds of things. Yeah, and you know this guy, it's Malta. I just don't, yeah. I just don't trust the LGA to hand out justice here. But at least the guy got arrested. It's more than I expected. I didn't expect anyone to be arrested there. This hardly ever happens. Um, I always wonder This is a different topic by the way I always wonder how much poker fraud alert is worth I always wondered if I put out the word And I'm not going to do this But if I put out the word I'm done with poker fraud alert I'm going to quit But I don't want to take it down I'm going to sell poker fraud alert to the highest bidder How much is it worth You may say "Ah, Poker fraud alert has no value well, that's not true. It has value in a few ways. It has some technical value in that it's a forum that, in fact, I customized to uh, have some additional features. It's, it's a working forum with a user base full of poker players 
and of course their email addresses as well. Which don't worry, I'm not going to ever sell your email addresses or give it away to people. But I'm just saying that that is worth something. A, a user base full of uh, gamblers that could be marketed to. Uh, it's got this radio setup, which isn't impossible to duplicate, but it's uh, it's not a turnkey package either. It requires some effort to set up something like this, the server that runs the radio and the uh, auto archiving feature I built in there and things like that. So it's it's got a technical setup that even if you're going to wipe the whole thing clean and start with a whole different forum and a whole different radio show, it would be of some value who wanted to start up a site like this, even one about a totally different topic. So it has that value. It has the user base value. Uh, it has the traffic value. It has the Google value that since there's a number of sites that link into Poker Fraud Alert, including some pretty respected ones, that uh, it gets pretty good Google results. So there's a lot of different values that Poker Fraud Alert could have if I were to sell it, especially to like a, a gambling affiliate site. I'm not going to do this, but I'm just saying that there is some value here. But I don't know how much that is. Uh, on the downside, there are no advertisers at the moment. It's not generating any revenue at the moment. So that would detract from its value. Uh, I actually had to go through this process when I left the other site that I owned prior to starting Poker Fraud Alert when there was a dispute between me and the other owner. I owned 26% of that site, and we had to figure out at that moment what the site was worth. But that site did have some decent advertising contracts at the time. And I came up with a figure that was much higher than they did. Of course, it was to my advantage to come up with a high figure because I would get paid more, but uh, they came up with a figure that was very low. I came up with one that I thought was too high. And they also came up with an interesting theory that once I left the site the value would actually plummet for my departure. Which I guess... Really? Uh, who, who came up with that theory? I, I don't want to name names, but... Uh, so, but the old owners. Yeah, yeah. They, they came up with that oh. theory that uh, that actually me leaving would detract from the value of the site, which made me kind of ask, well, why do you want me to leave then? Right. I thought... I don't want to bring this all up again, but I thought the whole point was you leaving would propel the site upwards, which is kind of they wanted you. Like, yeah, well, that, was that the argument that you were that, kind, that of was funny thing. kind of hanging like, it, dragging it down? Yeah, it was the kind of weird, uh, contradictory arguments that were going on all the time. But uh, anyway, I don't want to get into it all again either, but I had to figure out what I was willing to accept, and I ended up taking less than I felt it was really worth just because I wanted the whole thing to be over. It's one of the few times in my life right. I, I dropped the principle and, uh, and said just to make this whole thing over and get some – protection so the site isn't used to just you know post all my personal info and crap like that that uh, you know that uh, I'm willing to give up some money that I think I'd otherwise be entitled to so I settled for and I, I've, I've made this public here before so it's not uh, I'm not giving away secrets here I, I settled for $1,200 for my 26.4% which uh, honestly was an underpayment in fact that $1,200 was made up very quickly within like three weeks through various means so that shows you how much money he was making at the time so I wonder, you know, Poker Fraud Alert, which I own entirely, how much this would be worth if I sold it. Now, there's a reason I'm bringing this up, not to rehash old things from the previous site. The reason I'm bringing this up is that another site, which admittedly is bigger and more visited than Poker Fraud Alert, called The Wizard of Odds, run by, not Oz, but Odds, O-D-D-S, run by Michael Shackelford, sold for 235 million dollars 
That's unbelievable. I mean, this is a it's a well visited site. You'll see it on Google whenever you Google things about video poker. But two point three five million for that site is crazy, and I, I think that was a big overpayment. But uh, good for Michael Shackelford who got that money. Now he needed the money because he actually lost a lot of money in the Cyprus banking scandal where a lot of Cyprus banks crashed. A lot of people had money in these Cyprus offshore banks and then the banks crashed and their money was gone. So this happened to Shackelford. He said, I haven't said this in public before, but I have a foreign bank account at the Likey Bank in Cyprus, of course the weakest there. After after much searching, they were the only ones I could find who had taken an account from a U.S. citizen. I've reported this account with the IRS and can account for every penny that has moved through it, should I ever be asked. It's no big secret that my sites advertise internet casinos who find it very difficult to make payments to U.S. banks. So he claims that the uh, internet casinos that were advertised on WizardofOdds.com and WizardsOfVegas.com uh, couldn't pay U.S. banks. So the way he was supporting himself was by having those casinos that were advertising on his site pay his Cyprus account. And he was counting on that money to be you know, money that he would use for living and figured he could get to it at any time. And then uh, I, I guess it was a lot of money. And then uh, one day he finds it's gone because of the Cyprus banking scandal. So then he went on to write that uh, he's expecting $35,000 from the bank reopening, but uh, he probably won't get that much more. And he didn't say how much he lost, but it sounds like a lot. So this was uh, in March. And uh, since then, he has been fairly open about struggling financially uh, because of this uh, Cyprus banking scandal. So he ended up selling the site to a casino bonus affiliate site called latestcasinobonuses.com, also known as the LCB network, latestcasinobonuses.com, to show you how much they make on their casino affiliate stuff, bought this site for $2.35 million. Now, there is an agreement that Shackelford, who really is the site, He's a central part of the site. People go there because Shackelford is respected for calculating uh, all kinds of things that help the average gambler. He came up with the odds and uh, optimal play strategies or nearly optimal optimal play strategies for every video poker variant you could think of. He once listed every slot machine in Vegas and what the true return was on each machine. You could see which had the best return, which had the worst. Uh... He's he's done a lot of things in the casino world, which has been very you know, player friendly. What he's been doing, always on the uh, he's always a player advocate in that way. And uh, he was a former actuary who used those talents to uh, basically make gamblers understand the casino's edge in every game. And much of the content on that site that people were coming there for was Shackelford's own content. So rather than just buying it and having it go down the toilet or having him, you know, having people visit the site based upon past things that Shackelford had written, uh, he agreed to stay on for 10 years and continue to be a full-time writer and advisor of the site. So I'm not sure if he's getting paid a salary or if that's just 
part of the two point thirty five million that they're basically buying him for ten years, but uh, that's an amazing deal for a site like that. We're not talking about like an online poker site. This is just a website that gives gambling information, and a uh, a casino affiliate site bought it. Now, to show you uh, some people are, are kind of bitter about this. Uh, JSTAT saying in chat, the wizard sold us out to an online casino affiliate trader. He's a loser at casino games, investing in everything he touches. JSTAT is superior coming to your local theater. But, uh, I mean, it is kind of true that a casino affiliate site, they must be advertising casinos. I'm not familiar with them, but they must be advertising all kinds of shady online casinos, basically whoever will pay them. I get email all the time from shady online casinos that want to advertise on Poker Fraud Alert, usually some sort of affiliate thing where they don't pay me up front, but if people sign up through Poker Fraud Alert, then I get a piece of their action. Now, number one, I don't trust I'd actually get the money, but bigger, I don't trust these casinos. So I don't want Poker Fraud Alert users playing on shady casinos that I direct them to or my site directs them to. I don't want that. I don't want to be part of that. Unless I trust the casino, I don't want to advertise for it, even if it'll make me money. Defeats the purpose of this site. So, yes, I could make money doing that, but I don't want to. But, obviously, latestcasinobonuses.com will probably run anything here that'll make them money. So, yeah, it's kind of funny with Shackelford being the player's friend all these years and giving everyone the true odds of all the games that... uh Uh-oh. Hearing that radio is cutting in and out. That's not good. And no, hockey guy's wondering if I taped this segment. I didn't tape anything. <laughs> How could it be taped if I'm quoting things from the chat? Come on, hockey guy, get with it. He said to stop for five seconds and start it right where it stopped. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't miss anything. Maybe I could write a bot of myself that does the show, and then if the thing crashes, like I kind of pause myself and I read things from the chat. But it's really just a bot imitating my voice. That would save me a lot of trouble of doing this show. Anyway, uh, it is true that this is a bit of a contradiction. But then again, Michael Shackelford has never been a consumer advocate. He's more been a math guy who's provided you the information to understand the odds. And that's a little bit different. And is all that information going to be left there? or? Yeah, apparently. Okay. I, I, I don't think they're going to be removing any of the information. I just think they're going to be filling it with all kinds of casino ads. So right. it's kind of weird. Like you go there to find out the best video poker to play and the odds and how to exactly play video poker at optimal strategy and then like click here to go to shady online casino this or that. Like you know, I don't even see who would go there. If you're going there to like learn about gambling, but I guess you would because there really are a lot of degenerate gamblers that go there and read yeah. that thing. So it makes sense because then someone will read that and say, "Oh, I know how to play video poker optimally now," and there's a thing right beside it you can click to play that same game for real money. So, yeah, I mean they're probably going to get a lot of traffic. But I wonder, like ten years, like I know they're not shutting down after ten years, but let's look, look at ten years to break even. They'd have to make two hundred thirty-five thousand a year through these affiliate links, which is a lot, but. Right. Maybe they can. I don't. Maybe they got a big enough business to where this is worth it. But we will see. But I thought that was interesting how much it sold for, and uh, makes me wonder if 
if I wanted to go to the dark side and sell this site to casino affiliates, how much uh, one of these would pay. Yeah. But don't worry, I won't. Uh, honestly, with this site, uh, if I don't want to run it anymore, I'm, I would either take it down or, or hand it to someone that I think would run it with a similar vision, but not, uh, I, I wouldn't just sell it to some casino or something. And, uh, the only way I think I would ever do that is if I, I moved to some other site. Like I, I spun off from my own site and sold this one. And everyone understood to go to my new site for the content. But I still wouldn't want that. It would create confusion. It's just, that's, that's not why I'm doing all this. So uh, you're in Canada. You've got a different healthcare system. Yes. And I have to say, and this is the first time I'm ever going to say this, but I have to say right now I'm actually a little jealous of the Canadian system. Because uh, I'm really locked in a lousy situation, healthcare-wise. Now, as you guys know, I don't work a regular job, so I have no employer healthcare. I have to buy my own healthcare. Uh, even if it were not the law to buy healthcare as it is now, I would buy it. In fact, have bought it every year. So I think it's foolish to go without healthcare, especially if you have assets, because. Uh, uh, it could wipe you out if you ended up with a serious illness or injury. So I was relatively happy with my health care plan through the year 2013. I was paying $172 a month. I had a high deductible, but I got to do office visits for like 40 bucks each for minor things. And uh, um, once I reached the deductible, then I was uh, getting pretty much full coverage. And I, I, of course, got the discount and negotiated rates wherever I went. It was it was a catastrophic-type plan, but not a total catastrophic plan. But it, it did its job, and I was protected from any sort of major cost from any kind of health incident. Yes, I, I could be out like 6000 bucks, but I couldn't be out 100000 bucks. And that's really why I had the health insurance, was to prevent big losses if something really bad were to happen, and secondarily just to be covered for the very little things, like little office visits I need to make over minor things. And this covered both of them, and that was good. 172 bucks a month, I'm over 40, I thought that was good. Then Obamacare came. Well, some of you don't really know the details that much of Obamacare, and I have to admit, even I learned some new things about Obamacare over the last few days. Now, some of you might remember that I broke my ribs in January, when I fainted after a very, very bad stomach flu where I got dehydrated, and I ended up at the emergency room, not then, but a week later when I thought I had complications from it. And that was actually under my previous plan, even though it was 2014, because I was actually grandfathered on the previous plan for two months. But starting March 1st of this year, I was forced on a new Obamacare plan. I had no choice. My plan was canceled. I did not try to use that. I had no occasion to use it until just a few days ago. And I realized how fortunate I was to have broken my ribs in January instead of after March 1st. On Friday night, I was driving, minding my own business, just driving locally around the area. And my eye started really hurting, my left eye. Like, bang, almost like something hit it. But nothing hit it. I was in a car that was closed up. Nothing hit my eye. 
but it felt like something had smacked against my eye. I got home, I looked in the mirror, all I could see was like a squiggly little red line in my eye. Kind of like the same thickness as when your eyes are bloodshot, we have a lot of those. Except here there's one like line that goes horizontally across my eye, except it's kind of squiggly. Not all the way across, but like kind of halfway across one side of my eye in the whites. And it's kind of squiggly looking. Never seen it before like that, but uh, the eye was hurting. It felt kind of like a surface pain. As I said, like something hit it, but nothing did. I thought maybe a blood vessel problem, which is harmless. So I said, okay, I don't need to run to the ER about this. I hate ERs in general. And even though this is Friday night, it's annoying because I had to wait all the way till Monday if I want a regular doctor. But okay, I'll wait till Monday. So the pain went away. Then it came back on Saturday and got worse. Then it got a little better on Sunday. Still wasn't in a rush to go to the doctor, but I definitely wanted to be seen just to verify that this is no big deal. So Monday comes, I find an ophthalmologist in the area, make an appointment. I ask, do you take Anthem Blue Cross, which is my insurance company? They said, yes. I said, great. So I went to the doctor and they said, bad news. We don't take your insurance. And I said, yes, you do. You said you take Anthem Blue Cross. Oh, we do. We don't take your Anthem Blue Cross. And it turned out that I had an individual plan, which of course I knew, but they don't take individual plans, they tell me. If I had Anthem Blue Cross through my work, they would take it. But individual plans, no. So I wasn't covered. I could go there and pay cash like an uninsured patient, but uh, wasn't going to do that. Said goodbye and walked out. If it was serious, you know, I would do it and pay the cash, but this wasn't worth it. I wasn't even sure if I really needed the doctor here, but I just wanted you know, to be safe. So I said, okay, no problem. They, they have some weird thing about individual policies, but I'm, I'm sure that I'll find some other ophthalmologist who will take my insurance. I call up another major ophthalmology group around me. Again, sorry, we don't take individual plans for Anthem. I called around with every ophthalmologist in the area, 30-mile radius. None of them take my insurance. I thought, what the hell's going on here? So I called Anthem Blue Cross and said, what the hell's going on here? And they told me that this is a big problem in California, that a lot of doctors, not just ophthalmologists, are not taking these individual plans. They would not explain why, though I will tell you why I figured it out. But they will not take individual plans. It's very hard to find doctors now taking these plans, making your health care plan fairly worthless. Yeah, you get some out-of-network benefits, but they're crappy. This includes hospitals. So most hospitals now will not take my insurance. This includes most doctors. So yeah, you can find a few in some specialties, bottom-of-the-barrel doctors that nobody else wants to go to that will take my insurance. But uh, most of them don't. You want any quality doctor, you're not going to get in with this insurance. And I'm paying $255 a month, and I'm forced to have it until the end of the year. I can't even switch till the end of the year. And at the end of the year when I do switch, I will have to get a, diff- a different individual plan with a different company if I want this to improve. And apparently, other companies, it's not as bad as Anthem, 
But they still have this problem. If you have an individual plan in California, and probably in a lot of other states too, you're going to have this issue where you're just not going to be able to see doctors and have it be covered, which is awful. Now, how did this happen? What is the change here? Because back in 2013, and even in, you know, when my plan was still active at the beginning of 14, I could go to just about any doctor and they took my insurance. So what changed? Obamacare is what changed. And I'll tell you how. They didn't explain it to me, but I figured it out. It's not that hard to figure out. The biggest change that Obamacare has provided the world, not the world, the U.S., is that everybody now can get individual insurance even if they can't afford it or if they have pre-existing conditions that before would make them not qualified where they could not get insurance. So now insurance companies have to take everyone no matter how sick they are. And if you're too poor to pay for the insurance, then the government will help you out. Those are basically the two pillars of Obamacare. There's a bunch of other stuff associated with it too that uh, I won't get into. But that sounds good. It sounds noble. But there's a problem. The money to pay for it has to come from somewhere. Because they let all these sick people in who need a lot of health care, a lot of expensive health care, who before could not get covered by the insurance company. Now, the insurance companies have to cover them, and these people are going to incur a lot of expenses for their pre-existing conditions for the rest of their lives. So how can the insurance companies afford to pay all this? Well, they raised their rates, and they did. My rates went up from 172 to 255 for essentially the same thing. And I thought, okay, that I think that would cover it. But I go, you know what? Still, even though my rates went up by 50%, to me, it seems like this won't be enough to cover all the sick people now that they're going to have to pay a fortune for. So I was wondering how they were going to come up with the money to cover all these people who are going to be a huge burden on the system that now they have to insure. And I just figured it out. They are paying the doctors very little. They basically said to all the doctors, we're not paying you for the individual plans, what we did before. In order to keep the premiums from getting too outrageous, we're going to pay you guys, the doctors, very little money for what you were doing before and getting a lot more money. So now we're cutting down what we're paying you. And if you don't like it, then just don't take individual plans. Just tell the customer we're not taking individual plans. But this is what we're paying you for the individual plan. So either deal with it or don't take us. So most of the doctors said, screw it. We won't take it. We'll just take the employee plans because the employee plans, those companies are paying a fortune. If you have health care through your employer, I guarantee your employer is paying a fortune for you every month. Way more than you think. And you probably contribute to it too. So for that much money, they can afford to pay these doctors what the doctors want to make. But the individual plans, they can't because they have this now this new burden with all these people that are requiring so much health care that uh, they end up paying out way, way, way more than they take in premiums for these people. So their solution is just to say, we're paying the doctors much less. And there is no mandate in Obamacare to force these doctors to take these individual plans. For less. And I can understand because it's unfair to the doctor too. So the net result here is that people like me, 
who are buying their own health insurance for substantial money every month basically can't use it because no doctors want to take it. This is a side effect of a very poorly designed program. I understood the motives. I agree that everyone should have health coverage in some way. I agree you have to find a way to treat people who have some kind of pre-existing condition and can't get insurance. You can't just say, tough luck, you're going to die. Society does, in my opinion, have an expectation to take care of these people, but uh, if it's going to be done, it has to be done right. And this is not doing it right. This is just screwing everyone else. This is helping somewhat the people who couldn't get insurance before, that they're in the same boat as me now, which isn't very good either. But screwing everyone who did have insurance before and could get it before, and now basically no one will take them. So we've kind of pulled everyone else down to the sick people's level. So now we have insurance, but we can't really use it. So it's awful. So this is going to be reality for anyone in California who's a professional poker player and has to buy their own insurance. And I, I hope some kind of reform comes to fix this. Uh, Lou Father saying I'm sounding like a Democrat now. I'm actually not. I'm, I'm just uh, look. I'm being honest here. You know, like you gotta. Um, I'm actually not sounding like a Democrat because I'm saying, look, they help the poor people, and they help the sick people, but they screwed everybody else. They screwed whoever is not poor and sick and gets an individual plan, and that's not right either. I think you know they needed to do some reform as far as helping the poor and the sick people get health coverage, but not 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 totally screw over the people who had good existing individual plans. And Obama said, if you like your health plan, you can keep it, but that's not true. That's kind of his version of read my lips, no new taxes. So a real disaster here. Hockey guy doesn't like this segment, but uh, I, I think it's important because if you're a professional poker player, at least in California, but this is probably happening in a lot of other states too. I'm hearing Nevada is having a lot of issues as well. You're going to have trouble finding doctors that will take your insurance. Well, don't you, I mean, I, I don't know how it works down there, but do you not have a family doctor that can just give you a referral to a specialist? No, it's not like that. Uh, it's uh-huh. a matter of, see, I don't even need a referral. I can just go directly to a specialist, but the specialist will say, well, I don't take your insurance. You've got to pay us the cash price. So, so it said I, I have to pay what I basically have to pay if I didn't have insurance, which is defeating the whole purpose of having insurance. So, um yeah, JSTAT has the uh, federal employees' health benefits, and uh, that's actually pretty good insurance. I know about that insurance. So he he, he says he pays $1,000 a month, but uh, he does have good insurance, and uh, uh, he said the federal government pays 60%. He pays 40 but yeah, it sucks paying one k a month. But, you know, JSTAT is older. I think he's in his late 50s, and at least he has quality insurance that he can really use, where mine is $255 a month for crap. So... I mean, that's crazy to me, <laughs> the amount of money you guys pay on. Well, you know what's the worst? There's there's a New York Times article about medical billing and what a freaking disaster it is, and it's a combination mm-hmm. of you know, this fraud going on through it, and it's impossible for everyone to understand. And even I don't understand. Like, like it's so hard to understand. It's so confusing. Uh, there's all kinds of tricks to it, all kinds of things. You have no idea that you're going to be charged yep. for certain things until you get the bill. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's the only thing I know where you – 
have no idea what you're buying. That you get a service and you do not know what you're paying for it. You have no way to find out what you're paying for it until you get the bill. Like imagine that. Imagine that you go to a restaurant and eat something and they say, uh, we'll tell you how much it is later when you're done eating. You go to the store and buy something. Uh, um, when you bring it to the cashier, we'll tell you how much it is and you have to buy it at that point. You can't say no. Like that's basically what's going on with the medical billing in this country. It's a, and Obamacare does not address that at all. And that's a huge problem with American health care. Huge problem. So – uh, it's really bad. So, uh, Lou Father asking how I'm reading the chat. Am I am I reading it with one eye closed? <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, my eye actually doesn't really hurt much anymore. It just kind of feels a little bit weird, and it's still got that squiggly line. So I think it can wait, uh, and, and maybe it'll go away on its own. Uh, otherwise, I may have to just, you know, there is one process that takes like two weeks where you can appeal to the insurance company to let you go to an out-of-network doctor if there's none within 30 miles. So I'll have to do that, but it takes like two weeks to approve. It's ridiculous. So the healthcare has become a huge mess. They, they've solved one problem and just created so many more. It is such a mess right now in the U.S. for the healthcare, unless you have it through your employer. So if, if you have it through your employer, be happy. You've got way better off than I do. And it's not even like being a cheap Jew. Like I can't just go like buy an expensive plan and, and be done with this. There's no, there's no way to do that. Wasn't there a plan at some point for like poker players to kind of get together and buy some big group healthcare system plan? Did that ever work out or no? I heard about that, but yeah, it, it never really came to be. Uh, mm. I don't know. I don't know if that it, I mean, it'd be, yeah, it would, yeah, you'd have to establish a group thing. The thing is, it's it's very expensive though. It's really really expensive. To, to make those group plans, the small group plans. And the reason is because uh, with large group plans, they figure you've got a company with 1,000 employees, 2,000 employees. Uh, you're going to have a pretty even distribution of sick people and healthy people, and it will all average out. But if you have a, a company with 50 people or 20 people, uh, it can be anything. And they could really take a bath there if a lot of people were sick. And right. in fact, people could manipulate this and create their own small company just for the purpose of getting a group plan and saving money on healthcare. So they're wise to this and they charge a fortune. And I know this because yeah. the last job I worked, which ended in 2003 for me, but me and the owner talked about a whole bunch of different things. It was a small company and me and the owner, you know, we'd kind of just hang out at the end before we'd go home and talk. And uh, he told me about it. Like, you wouldn't believe how expensive it is for the healthcare I'm paying for you guys. Like, uh, it's it's a whole rip off and like we talked about why that is and so I kind of get to know the whole thing. So now uh, Lou Father's asking how my insurance went up during the segment from 172 to 255. 172 was the pre Obamacare plan that was better. 255 is the one I'm paying now that pretty much covers nothing because nobody takes it. So I'm paying more to get much less. So I mean that's the reality. No matter where you are in the Obamacare debate, this is the reality. This is the truth. I can prove it to you. Like I can prove it to you. This has happened, and it's awful. So uh, the bottom line is anyone with an, an individual plan in California is screwed. So uh, Desert Explorer saying, Druff should just come clean about semen in the eye. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell a gross story here. So if you've got mixed company in the room or kids, I definitely turn this down or get the headphones. I'll give you a second to do that. Okay. 
I was with a girlfriend, not not the one I have now, but I was with a girlfriend who had a cat. And while I did not get semen in the eye, the cat actually did. And uh, the cat was hanging around. I, I hated having that cat around, too. Like I, I don't like animals are being around when I'm having sex or doing anything sexual. It just feels weird to have a dog or a cat watching me. It, it's just weird. Like I just don't, I don't want animals in the room. I want them gone. I don't, I don't want to look at animals. I don't want to think about animals. I, I don't want animals watching me. That's really creepy. I, I don't want animals there. And this cat snuck back in and positioned itself in the wrong place, and it got hit. Right in the eye. Kind of served it right. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't even know the cat was there. Until I heard the cat reacting to it. So, true story. But I I, I don't want animals there. I don't want... I especially... Like, I don't want to hear kids anywhere. I cannot... Obviously, kids are not going to be in the room. But, like, I can't hear kids playing outside. I can't hear kids playing in the other room. It just kills it for me. I guess it means I'm not a pedophile, but uh, I, I, I have to like forget kids even exist when uh, when I'm having sex. So I don't know how we got on this topic. <laughs> I think I think Desert. If I'm an expert on this topic here, hold on a second. Yeah, she doesn't like it. <laughs> you, have a, you have a cat there. She should be happy that uh, she wasn't there in the room with me. <laughs> All right, so last thing, we have an editorial. I don't have to tell you guys that you're supposed to be nice to the fish in your poker game. That's something you've heard in poker for a long time, that if there's a bad player at your table and he puts a bad beat on you, you're inside really frustrated and angry about this. But... You don't say anything, and in fact, you reason to yourself, and it's correct reasoning, that the horrible beat he put on you from playing stupidly is what normally makes you money against him. Because when he plays this stupidly, usually you benefit from it, and once in a while, he gets lucky and benefits from it. And, you know, occasionally, he'll get lucky a few times, and you'll actually lose against him, but it's players like that you want at your table. And you know that. I don't tell you about that. That would be uh, a waste of time at the show. But there are actually players, believe it or not, who still berate fish to this day that show up to games. These are regular players in the game. And when they take a bad beat against a fish, they tell them how bad they are. They tell them how stupid they were. They tell them why their play was so awful. And this ends up accomplishing a few things. It makes the fish feel stupid and embarrassed. It makes them not want to come back. It makes them want to leave. And it makes them want to play better. It makes them learn from being made fun of. It makes them say, okay, well, yeah, I shouldn't have chased this inside straight draw for all these bits. Huh, that was dumb. Okay, I won't do that again. And you help them improve. You don't want that. But something that you may not realize is that kissing ass to the fish is not always the right approach. A lot of times it is, but a lot of times it isn't. You have to figure out why the fish is there. Now, online it can be tougher, but you can still do it. I remember back around uh, 2005, I was in a high-limit game online. And in the limit hold'em games, everybody was very nitty. Even the aggro euros were nitty in that 
nobody wanted to play each other if it was all pros in the game. So the second the fish would butt, it would be sit out, sit out, sit out, sit out, sit out. And everyone would be sitting out. And the second the fish sits back in with more money, sit in, sit in, sit in, sit in, sit in. Like you, you kind of think, well, okay, you shouldn't do that. But the problem was like nobody wanted to go first to play each other. So even if you sat in yourself, nobody would sit in with you. So it wouldn't do any good. So everyone would just sit out until the fish would uh, come back in. And then they all sit back in. Well, obviously the fish weren't that stupid and they would catch on to what was happening. In fact, some would think worse of the situation that was really going on. Some would think, oh, this is some sort of collusion. These guys are all just going to play against me and cheat to collude against me and steal my money. When in reality, they just want to play with a bad player playing and not play against all the good players, if it's only good players. So I would sit there in these games and sometimes these fish would protest and say, hey, you guys sit in only when I'm in the game. So you must be cheating me. So the other players sat silently. They had nothing to say. They were afraid to respond to the fish, thinking, I don't want to insult this guy. I don't want to let him know that he's the fish of the game, that he's the reason we're all here, that we're all here to take his money, that we're not cheating him, but we think he sucks. We don't want to let him know that, but we're not cheating, but we can't explain why we're really here. It'll piss him off too. So they all sat quiet and he kept going on cheaters, cheaters. You know, I don't want to sit in with you guys. You're just cheating me, blah, blah, blah. And finally I piped up. I said, you want to know the truth? I'll tell you the truth. People are sitting in with you and only you because they all know each other and they all respect each other as good players. You're new here. So they assume that you're not good. I didn't say we've observed you suck and you do suck. I didn't go that far. But I said, we assume you're not good because you're new. To kind of leave him an out to believe that we just don't know him. And when I said that, the guy said, huh, okay, thanks. Thanks for being honest with me. And he sat back in. See, he just wanted someone to be honest with him. He, wanted, he, he, didn't, uh, he kind of knew he was the fish in the game. He just didn't want to feel like he's being cheated. I also have stories from back on Absolute Poker before the uh, super user scandal when I used to be brash and obnoxious in the chat. And uh, while I did not berate the fish, me and the fish would often talk trash to each other. We'd laugh at each other when we you know, we'd beat each other and, uh, and, uh, you know, and talk shit back and forth. Call each other names. I never said, hey, you suck. Hey, you know, why did you call king-queen offsuit all the way down with an ace on the board? I think I didn't say things like that. But uh, sometimes I could tell the fish actually wanted trash talk back and forth. They actually enjoyed it. Other fish did not, and I did not talk trash to them. You got to feel it out. You got to feel out why they're there. Some fish, especially playing live, want people to talk to them. They want a social environment. They don't want you to just mm-hmm. sit there with your headphones on and, and take their money. Yeah. I was actually going to say that the the worst thing for a live game is a lot of the internet guys that come in with their headphones on are just totally disconnected because it, the people who play for enjoyment want some form of entertainment. It, it, it's different for everyone what form that's going to take, but if you just totally shut off – it's it's just so bad for the game. Yeah. So you've got you've got to figure out why the, what the person wants there and try to give it to them. And don't be too over the top with it to where it's on yeah, it's obvious you're you're just trying to kiss their ass. Because they they can tell that too. 
I, I've mm-hmm. seen too many people going over the top kissing the fish's ass, and and it's obvious what they're doing there too. You've got to just try to treat them the way they're hoping to be treated. And you just got to feel it out and figure it out. And just the one thing you never do is berate the actual way they are playing. You don't call them a fish. You don't give them lessons. That's what you never do. Even if you're going to talk trash, talk trash about other things, you know, uh, uh, call them a fag or whatever, you know, if, if that's what you want to do back and forth with them. But don't do not insult the way they play. That's that's a big no no for many reasons I just explained. And uh, and and you know you've got to figure out each player. Some really just want to come there and play cards and have everyone be respectful and everyone be nice and everyone be friendly. And if that's what they want, you, you got to do that. And uh, uh, I've I've had many times in the World Series a casual player sitting next to me. Who will show me his cards? At, at, you know, after I fold against him, and I've talked about this before on this show. Like, you know, he'll bet I'll pretend to like agonize over a hand that in reality I have nothing, and I'll throw it away, and then he'll he'll say, "Oh, I had this," or he'll turn over his hand and show me, or quickly flash it to me. And why? Because like we've talked back and forth. I you know I I, I seem like a nice guy to them. Like they they, they want to help me out, and I'm not you know I'm not trying to trick them. I'm just uh, I'm just saying that they're getting out of the game. What they want. Someone sitting next to them, someone talking to them. Uh, sometimes they'll even talk about the way they play. Oh, look at that guy raising every hand like that. I would never raise Jack-10 offsuit uh, unless I'm in late position. Or I, I, I would never call a raise unless I have pocket nines or better. Like you, They'll tell you things like this. You, you just got to be friendly enough at the table to where they will. You'll, you'll have an edge that way, but you just, you, you got to make the fish there feel comfortable and enjoy being there. And online, you know, you don't, a lot of times online, there's not as it's not as you know very bad ones that are pretty much give away their money. But if you have a game where nobody is visibly bad, it's gonna be much tougher to win in that game, much tougher. Even if you think you're a little bit better than this guy and that guy, number one, you might be overestimating your ability compared to other people. And number two, even if you're not, if you got a slight edge on most of the table, you're you're really pretty much just a slave to luck. And of course, you've got to beat the rake too. So. It's amazing, and I, I've even been guilty of this myself, playing in games that aren't the best after I've been there a while. It's not even like I'm stuck money. I want to try to get it back. Uh, but honestly, when I look at my results in poker, in, especially cash poker, where you have control of where you're sitting and how long you play, I look at my, insult, my results in games that are legitimately good games versus ones that are okay or bad games. It is a staggering difference. A staggering difference. Have you noticed the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't play at the limits you do, so game selection is not quite as important. Um, if you're playing anywhere, I mean, I play no limits, so two, five, and under. There's pretty much always a game you can find that's decent. Yeah. Okay, that might be true. There's less differences in those games, but boy, like I'm telling you, the games I played. Uh, a staggering difference in my results between the good games, the okay games, and the bad games. Just uh, mm-hmm. it's and it's a little bit more extreme with me because I think that uh, I'm actually one of the better players at playing bad players, and uh, and so that makes it even more of a skewed uh, chart. If you were to make one of of, of my results here, where uh, I think my ability to be bad players is is much stronger than my ability to be good players. So, uh, 
So, like, if you put me in a game with bad players, I win way more than other good players typically. But uh, you put me in a game with good players, and sometimes I actually win, you know, my ex- expectation probably to win less than other good players. So, uh, right. so I, I think that uh, for me it's even more extreme that way. But, boy, it, I think for everybody it's a difference. Everybody, if you could – Oh, yeah. You get in a game where nobody at the table is better than you or even close to your ability, uh, you're going to crush it. You will crush you if you're the best one at the table by far, unless you get really bad luck. Yeah, I notice a big difference in the when I go to Vegas uh, versus the local casinos here. I guess because people, because like I say, the games are just way better, and um, a lot of the people that are professionals have probably moved past the limits that I'm playing. So, yeah, that's another thing is is the more limits that are available above what you're playing, the better your game's probably going to be. Like, right. if you ever play the highest game in the joint, then it's going to be a fairly tough game, usually, even if it's not that high. Yes, yes. Like, like, like the local casino here, the highest game is 2-5. Yeah, like, there can be very so, tough 2-5 games if that's yeah. the highest that runs. Yep. And then, like, in another place where 5-10 and 10-20 run, then 2-5 can be pretty easy. Just like, like... Exactly. Like, you'll see it at the Bellagio, like, in Limit, like, the 20-40 Limit, or 10-20 Limit, are, are much easier than 10-20 and 20-40 in other places where that's the highest game running. Uh, because you got the the forty eighty and sometimes even higher than that running. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, you need the fish in your game. It it makes a big difference, and and I mean real legitimate fish, not just uh, you know fairly good players that play an unorthodox style where they're making some mistakes. In your opinion, I'm talking about real kind of clueless, just fish who have no chance even in the short term. Anybody can win a few sessions, but I mean, guys, you know, if they play ten sessions, they're going to be bust for sure. So, uh, thought I'd mention that. And if you're one of these people who berates fish, don't. And you know, even some well-known pros like Vanessa Russo was known for uh, bashing fish all the time. I, I watched her do it. Couldn't believe yeah. it. I, I think I think that's more. I think that's part of a generational thing too. Uh, you don't really see the people of the kind of Doyle Brunson, Chip Reese era ever do that. I think maybe because there were less players and they understand more that I think today's pros just kind of think, well, first of all, I'm better than everyone else. So I don't care if I play all pros. And second of all, there's just an infinite field of people. Somebody will just come in and take their place. Because I think the older players who, you know, if you listen to their stories, they had to talk people into playing the games and, there were only a few games going and it, you had to drive between games and so on and so on. I think people take for granted that there's just this huge sea of fish that are just going to come in all the time forever and you can just treat them like shit or do whatever you want. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's probably right. That's an interesting way of thinking of it. That's, uh, that's probably right. I, I never even thought about the generational difference here, but uh, that's a good point. So, well, the show's... Uh, about four hours tonight. Just, went, just kind of went long. That's okay. I know you guys enjoy the long show, and I want to thank everybody that uh, showed up to the live broadcast. And uh oh, got a problem here. There we go. My end music was not coming on. There we go. So, thank you, Daredevil, for joining me for uh, the second show. I think in four weeks you've joined me. I think you joined in three weeks. Yeah, ago. that's yeah, you're right. So this is the uh, actually the second, the fourth show in September already, and you've been part of two of them. 
We're going to have five shows in the month of September because we're going to be here on September 30th as our next show at uh, around 6.30 p.m. Another free roll. Guaranteed it'll be $50 minimum, maybe even more. Thank you to everybody who donates the free roll, past and present. And yes, you can do it in Bitcoin. You can even claim your winnings in Bitcoin, which uh, has taken a bit of a haircut recently. Bitcoin, I think it's gone from around 500 per coin to 400 per coin. But that's the way Bitcoin does things. It kind of seems to have stabilized around 400,000. 400. 400,000, if it went up there, we'd have a lot of happy people. Okay, so... uh, be back next week. Maybe I'll have made it into an ophthalmologist by then. You know, if I go blind because of this, not only am I going to hate Obamacare forever, but I'm going to feel real stupid for not paying that cash price and cheaping out. But I, I just don't think it's major enough. Like I just, I just, I don't want to pay the cash price out of principle. I'm just going to tough this out here until I can get this settled in some way, or if it goes away on its own. I mean, I've, I've dealt with this since Friday, and uh, it feels better now than it did over the weekend. So, uh, we'll be back. Another free roll, another show next week. Uh, maybe I'll have figured out more about this private world character, if it really is Viffer or someone else that really knows something. I, I, don't, I don't believe that he really was making a sincere confession about lying. I think it's some kind of weird cover-up for his own actions. But whatever, we will try to figure that and other things out as the world turns in the wacky world of poker one week from today we'll be back and every week for the most part on Tuesday night at 6.30 good night and hello shalom